Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 11th of April, year of our Lord, 2020. Going a day early. Um, weather was perfect. Got a little fire going. It's going to be cold this week where I live. In the doggone 30s. Uh, it was actually 31 degrees this morning, which is just amazing if you think about it because we were in the 80s just a couple days ago. But I hope this finds you safe and healthy with your family. Everybody's doing good. Uh, Coronavirus is, um, well, we're supposed to be peaking, but uh, the numbers don't show it. Um, 503,177 cases and 18,761 cases uh, in the, what, four days since we did a podcast. That's a lot of deaths. Uh, New York continues to blow up, 172,358. New Jersey, 54,588. Michigan, 22,783. California, 21,374. Massachusetts, 20,974. Pennsylvania, 20,343. Louisiana, 19,253. Florida, 17,968. And Illinois, 17,887. I think that's the top 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Texas, 12,183. Majority of our deaths are in New Jersey and New York, sadly, 7,844 in New York, 1932 in Jersey. Um, Overnight, there were 301 new cases in California and 14 deaths. The media is going crazy about uh, 2,000 deaths overnight, uh, the worst day ever, but then... You hear a soundbite like this. You just said, I think is critically important. Can you repeat what you just said, please? Well, last Friday, I received a seven-page document that sort of told me that if I had an 86-year-old patient that had pneumonia but was never tested for COVID-19, but sometime after she came down with pneumonia, we learned that she had been exposed to her son who had no symptoms but later on was identified with COVID-19, that it would be appropriate to diagnose on the death certificate COVID-19. Now, we've not done that. If someone has the pneumonia after, and, and it's in the middle of a flu epidemic, and I don't have a test on influenza, I don't diagnose influenza on the death certificate. I will say uh, this elderly patient Sir, died of pneumonia. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I, my heart is sinking right now as you're telling me this. You're, you're a doctor. Why in the world would they be sending you out information to fill out death certificates, whether the person's been diagnosed with COVID-19 or not, but then to say in the death certificate this person's death was caused by COVID-19? That that does not sound right to me. I went to the person in our office who does most of the death certificates over the last you know, 10, 20 years, and I said, does this sound right? I had her look at the documents that I had printed off, and she said, well, we've always been told that you always put down just facts. You don't put down any probabilities. You don't put any presumptions down. It's just what you know. And so this is concerning, and, and it actually gets to your point, Chris. When we start talking about the data that goes into the modeling, we have to ask ourselves a question. Are we being forthright? Are we sharing with the public? 
Minnesota, North Dakota, we don't need to be having it sugar-coated. We want to know but what's going into your modeling. So with that being said, why would they want to skew the number of deaths due to COVID-19? Well, fear is a great way to control people. And I worry about that. I worry that sometimes we're so darn interested in just jazzing up the fear factor. That, that is local journalism. Um, they are basically, and there's numerous all over the place, for whatever reason, they're pretty much saying everybody who dies has got COVID-19. If they die of any symptoms that are related, whether they're tested positive or not. And we're seeing that all over the place now, and I don't understand. Um, I, I'm not going to jump the gun and say it's politics to make Trump look bad. I don't know the reason, but it's it's pretty jacked if you really think about it. It's kind of crazy that this is what they're doing. Because it doesn't make any sense. I understand if you have pre-existing conditions, you're going to die if you get COVID. But it's accumulation of kind of, I, mean, I think we're turning into Italy, where Italy was 12, 12% were just COVID, 88% were just old people who got COVID. But they're going to count it all as COVID. And I don't know why we're doing that. Um Medically, it doesn't make any sense to be doing that. That's that's actually fear-mongering uh, to an extent that, you know, I, I don't get it. I, I don't know if it's to run up the stats or I don't know. I mean, if you take all the cases recovered and everything and you do the deaths, and now it says we have a 3.5% death rate, which wasn't the case. So I don't know the reason. It just doesn't make sense to me. And with a garbage media, it's really hard to tell, really hard to get any real information anymore. We, we really, I did this show differently. I tried to cut down the stories and make it more manageable. But just in our media section, which, you know, we'll play in a second, it's still a very long soundbite. And it, it's just over the top. We're in the same thing. Maggie Haberman, Scoop. White House Trade Advisor Peter Navarro wrote in late January a memo warning of a possible pandemic that would cause financial and human catastrophe. So what was the date Trump named the task force to deal with the threat? I'll bet it was, get this, the same day. So her scoop was, he knew about this and he did nothing, but that was the same day he made a task force. Josh Barrow came in. If you also convinced you'd be better reporters than Maggie Haberman, why aren't you reporters? The derangement she inspires is some of you is ridiculous. Get a fucking grip. And the entire world said, derangement? Dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? They are... New York Times, specifically, and CNN are ensuring that they can juice the most out of it. Uh, I'm going to play a long soundbite of just CNN. And Megan Kelly... Is where I got this. Um, CNN still pretends he's an objective news anchor. Yeah, sure. While the MSM recalls in horror at the bias of Fox, OWN, etc. Who do they think they're kidding? And people just jumped on this. Fox News, bad. 
the dumbest man on television. Nobody's really sure how Don Lemon still has a job. He's not a journalist. He's not an entertainer. He's not respected. No one watches his show unless you're trapped. You're trapped in an airport. When he isn't embarrassed in net worth amateur hour, Mike grabs. He is shocking guests with his stunning idiocy. Who can forget the time he asked an expert panelist if the missing Malaysian flight 370 might possibly have disappeared into a black hole? The truth is Don Lemon is the very worst cable news has to offer and is a prime example of why tens of thousands of viewers are turning off CNN. Later on, replies to this, CNN Lemmy party viewership is down 95% because the only people stuck watching the worthless programming are people in airports. They don't crack the top 20. But they, wow, they're just the preponderance of all the bad in our media. And it sounds like this. I have to I'd be honest with you. For the last couple of weeks, when I walk into this building and I get in front of this camera, I swear, I feel like I'm in the movie network. I feel like Howard Beale. Americans are mad as hell. Are you, when are you going to... How much more can Americans take? Every single day berating people, lying... First, it's a hoax. And then all along, I knew it was serious. I knew it was a pandemic. How much more, how many people have to die? It's not being contained. Wasn't then, it isn't now. On March 6th, that very day that Kellyanne Conway said the virus is being contained, there were fewer than 20 deaths in this country. And now... More than 10,000 Americans are dead. That is a fact. A terrible fact. Not an alternative fact. Americans, are you mad as hell? How much more are you going to take? Wolf, we should point out uh, the White House is having all of the reporters uh, covering this briefing today uh, undergo a coronavirus test. I just had mine a short while ago. Uh, They gave me this fact sheet uh, before giving me the test. We have not gotten the results back. And so uh, the briefing uh, for this reason, I believe, has been pushed to six o'clock, could be pushed later as we're all waiting uh, for these results to come back in. But Wolf, uh, the fact that we're getting a test uh, doesn't really sit very well when we know so many Americans out there who need a test can't get one. And it's a new day in the White House briefing room. Earlier this afternoon, the White House doctor's office asked that all correspondents and technicians who work with the various networks, reporters who work for uh, various news outlets, undergo the coronavirus test. Uh, they did this earlier this afternoon. Uh, Wolf, we have not gotten the results back yet, but we were told no news is good news, uh, meaning that if we're testing positive for the coronavirus, then we will be notified. Uh, and while we're grateful to get this coronavirus test, Wolf, it makes you think about all of those Americans out there who would like to get the coronavirus test but can't get one. Wolf. What was the test that you got? What was it like, Jim? Uh, essentially, Wolf, they, it's sort of what we've been hearing about from a lot of other people. They inserted a couple of swabs uh, into both of my nostrils, uh, and it was a little bit uncomfortable. I won't, I won't lie to you, uh, but uh, it was over in. 
Good evening, everyone. There is a lot to get to tonight. Some po uh, potentially positive signs in New York, the epicenter of the fight to save infected people, and plenty of continued warnings about difficult days and deaths ahead. We're going to get to all of that. The White House Coronavirus Task Force press briefing ended a short while ago, and if you tuned into it hoping to hear from the country's top scientists, you were likely disappointed. What we mostly heard was the president. What we saw was a hijacking hijacking of the task force press conference by a president determined to rewrite the history of his early and reprehensibly irresponsible response to this virus. What the president showed us today is what the nation's top scientists have to deal with every day. A president who now uses these briefings as a re-election platform, an opportunity to lie, to deflect, to attack, to bully, and cover up his own deadly dismissals of the virus for crucial weeks. According to the president today, all governors are getting everything they need, and testing is now and always has been great. Reporters who asked fair questions but didn't kowtow or suck up to this president were attacked and belittled, and a special venom was reserved for a career official at HHS who he doesn't even know who released a non-political study with extensive interviews with doctors and hospitals across the country describing the lack of supplies and insufficient testing and mixed messages they've been getting from the federal government, all things that have been reported on. I just have to point out, this is not normal, and it matters because this is life and death. If you look at the chart, by the way, that the, uh, the White House showed to show the, the extensiveness of the testing, you'll notice their statistics, statistics do not begin until March 5th. February was a lost month, and people died because of that. And the numbers tested do not begin to appreciably rise on their own chart until more than halfway through the month of March. That's how late it was. Nonetheless, this is the victory the administration is repeatedly claiming. This is what the president is clinging to, claiming that testing has always has been great. It hasn't. Still not. Hospitalization rates and fatalities expected to increase dramatically from the coronavirus. President Trump, whoever spoke again today, have light at the end of the tunnel. No word on how long that tunnel may be or how dim the light currently is. There are some positive trends, but as New Jersey's governor today said, this is no time to take our foot off the gas. The number of dead in this country passed the 10,000 mark today. The current number is 10,781. The number of cases, 364,723. Even if a peak is reached and passed in one area, the administration has said it expects rolling peaks at least through next month. Just tonight, Los Angeles County health officials urge residents to not go grocery shopping this week if they can. One reason the president can even speak of a light at the end of the tunnel, social distancing, and the stay-at-home orders that most states have implemented. Another state today issued a stay-at-home order, South Carolina. That brings the total number of Americans under such an order, the total percentage, to more than 97% of the country. Still, there are seven states that don't have an order in place. Arkansas, Iowa, North Dakota, Nebraska, South Dakota, Utah, and Wyoming. We should note that Dr. Anthony Fauci said this evening that Iowa and Nebraska have instituted rules very similar to stay-at-home orders. The other threat tonight, the threat to our frontline defenders and hospitals who tested positive for the virus and the medical supplies that multiple governors say they must outbid each other for. Illinois' governor said today that what his state is getting from the strategic national stockpile is a, quote, mere fraction of what we asked for. Other governors have made similar remarks. And yet, tonight, President Trump paints a far different picture. Everything states want, he says, is already there for the most part. Quote, they're happy. Every one of them. Life, according to the president. Erica Hill joins us now with the latest. Erica. 
Anderson, good evening. I can tell you one thing that may make the governor of this state and several other states happier would be stricter social distancing. That has been hammered home, as you just pointed out. And while we are seeing some glimmer of hope here in New York, what was made clear by this governor and several other officials today is that this threat is far from over. 250 beds at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. 2,500 each at Chicago's McCormick Place Exposition Center and New York's massive Javits Center, where COVID patients began arriving over the weekend. The Navy hospital ship Comfort now accepting COVID patients as well. The two facilities acting as relief valves for the state's hospitals as New York's death toll continues to rise, though more slowly. While none of this is good news, uh, the flattening possible flattening of the curve is uh, better than the increases that we have seen. The CDC today warning the country's death toll could be higher because data is lagging by as much as two weeks. As a New York City councilman tweets, the city may need to bury victims in parks because morgues and trailers outside hospitals are reaching capacity. That's not happening at the moment, though Mark Levine's staff says it is part of a contingency plan which seemed to catch the governor by surprise. I've heard a lot of wild rumors, but I have not heard anything about the city burying people in parks. Around the country, communities adapting and bracing for what the Surgeon General cautions will be the hardest and saddest week yet. This is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment, our 9-11 moment, only it's not going to be localized. It's going to be happening all over the country. In New Orleans, mortuaries and morgues are at capacity. Louisiana's governor says they could run out of ventilators and beds by the end of the week. Officials in New York warn they may have even less time and resources. The numbers that we're really watching is still the number of hospital admissions, the numbers that are going into the ICU and eventually on the on ventilators. And we're not seeing a decrease in those numbers yet. Those are the numbers that are really going to strain our health care system. Meantime, a new government watchdog report finds, quote, severe widespread shortages of critical supplies across the country, adding to the strain. And the report says those shortages are making it harder for hospitals to test and protect their staff. The government adding new travel restrictions for all cruise ship passengers and crew arriving in the U.S. No longer allowed on commercial flights and subject to a mandatory 14-day quarantine. A third passenger from the Coral Princess, now docked in Miami, has died. In New Jersey, a mother and ICU doctor is recovering from the virus, anxious to hold the children she wasn't sure she'd see again. Dr. Julie John even made them a goodbye video. I just wanted to tell my kids that they are the most important thing in the world to me. I love you and I want to be there, but I can't. But be amazing, be nice. And and then I, I just, that that's the most important thing, right? When you're, when you can't breathe, the I thought of my children and how I can say goodbye in the best way. What's the latest update from Governor Cuomo on the amount of ventilators the state has? 
So he said when he was asked about that today, Anderson, basically everybody is running low on everything. They are over capacity. In some cases, they are splitting ventilators. But what he did say is that no one who has come to him and said, I have a critical need, I'm out of ventilators, has not gotten one. He said 802 were sent to New York City. That number, he said, was based on what he was told was needed. And those were shipped in uh, for the 11 public hospitals here. He also said this flex surge uh, questionnaire, essentially, they've been doing with hospitals around the state every night to figure out what's needed has really helped, and they've been shifting uh, around the state as needed. All right, Eric Hill, thanks very much. We're going to get to the politics in a moment. First, I want to talk about some of the developments in the fight against this virus. I want to bring in our chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. So, Sanjay, Dr. Fauci suggested this evening that, that life as we knew it may never again, or and certainly not before there's a vaccine, get be back to, to normal. Um, I mean, that's his job, to give the public an unvarnished accounting, regardless of what the president is saying. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what you make of, of what he said. Yeah, I mean, that's it, that's a bit jarring to hear, uh, for, for sure. And I think the question was, specifically, as you point out, Anderson, uh, c- could life return to normal before a vaccine came out? Um, I, you know, I think the point that uh, Dr. Fauci was making was that there's going to be a, a lot of um, uh, a sort of a hangover effect from this whole thing, you know, in terms of how people uh, may still be a little cautious uh, until if the virus is still circulating to some extent. I think as we get therapies that are, you know, proven to be effective, everybody on the planet is hoping that we that we find therapies like that, which would come a lot faster than the vaccine, that it will start to, uh, you know, return to a more normal sort of sense of what we were experiencing several months ago. But, you know, Anderson, as we've talked about, I mean, there's going to be no sort of all clear flag that is waved around this. You know, it's going to be a slow sort of roll back into uh, to life. People are there's still going to be a fair amount of psychological effect from this, I think, even aside from the physical effect. I think it's something that Dr. Fauci's talked about for a while. So it's it's you know, look, you and I've covered a lot of stories, not nothing quite like this. Um, it is amazing to me how quickly uh, people do move on, ultimately, uh, as, 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 uh, as tough as this has been right now. I have to say, you know, not to disagree at all with Dr. Fauci, of course, but I do think that people do ultimately uh, bounce back, and I think that yeah. will happen here as well. On Saturday, Governor Cuomo said that, in his opinion, people will be able to start to go back to work when there's a testing program that can be, in his words, brought to scale. Uh, I mean, is the United States even close to, to that? No, I don't. I don't think we're we're, we're close to to that. And you know, the, the, the sort of test that uh, that Governor Cuomo was talking about, as you know, Anderson, is this is this serology test, or or also known as an antibody test, and it's looking for the cells in your body that are generated in response to your exposure to the virus. So when you fight the virus, you make these antibodies. You can test for those antibodies. Uh, we're not at scale yet. There's an emergency authorization uh, authorization that was put in place last Thursday to allow one company to start. Doing doing this. Uh, um, The ambassador came out today and said, hey, look, there's a lot of basically bad companies out there as well. Brian Stelter, uh, Caitlin said it there, in effect, the president is his own press secretary here and and one who, as part of that role, has made attacking the press part of the message. Yes, and that is unfortunate and part of a three-year strategy to delegitimize the press in this country. And Stephanie Grisham did not stand up to him. No one really seems to stand up to the president when he attacks the media in this way. At least internally, no one stands up to him. Uh, That is why this, this transition may not matter all that much. But I do think it is very disappointing and notable, as, as Caitlin said, 
This is a press secretary who never held an on-camera press briefing. Uh, the president has been critical of the White House communications operation. Even recently, he said there was disappointment uh, about not getting his message out the way he wants. Uh, of course, ultimately, the message he wants to get out is oftentimes inaccurate. The public deserves frequent and also accurate White House press briefings. And under Stephanie Grisham, they were not frequent, at least until the coronavirus pandemic. And now that they've been happening frequently, they've not been accurate either. Ultimately, that's the fault of the president. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't seem any press secretary is able to change that in the... I, mean, I know it's all repetitive because we keep hearing the same, but they're just, they're nonstop. Brian Seltzer, I mean, this week was scoops that were nothing and stuff like this. Serious Katrina vibe from Hannity tonight after the Gulf Coast drowned. Fox went with America Challenge, branding a move that many saw was a pivot away from Bush 43's failure. Something similar happening now with a question mark? This article really, literally can't tell you how many tweets we've seen from people certain that President Trump has some f- massive financial stake in hydrochloroquine. That's why they tweeted this, because it was part of it. He did more of that stuff that we covered last podcast. But the New York Times blew the story wide open Tuesday, reporting that Trump has a small interest in Sanofi, which makes the brand name Plaquenil. How small? Really small. So small that even Snopes rated the New York Times story mostly false. The Daily Caller reports Trump's personal stake in the company is estimated to be as small as $99 or maybe as big as 500 Still, CNN Jim Acosta asked the president if he had any investment in hydrochloroquine as he left the Wednesday presser. Daily Caller, Jim Acosta asked Trump if he had any investment in hydrochloroquine. No, I don't. Snopes rated the claim. Mostly false. He doesn't have... I mean, Jesus Christ. If you put your stock into everything when you're a rich person, you're invested in everything. But that was the big thing on CNN. Uh, New York Times ran with it. that The reason why he's pushing this medicine that's working, and we'll see in a bit, a damn rep got saved by it and thanked the president. Now she's uh, basically... Just gone. They don't even talk to her. Dems are telling her to shut up. She won't get financed for the next election. I mean, they're, they're really angry with her. It is working, but they, they just don't want it to work. Jake Tapper insists he wasn't calling Trump insane with a retweet. Tapper, host of CNN lead and state of the nation, had to respond to serious scrutiny about his journalistic credibility and judgment Tuesday morning after this author and others called him out for retweeting an unsubstantiated allegation that President Trump was 100% insane. In this week's defense, in his weak defense, Tapper played the dishonest retweets do not necessarily mean agreement card. The retweet since been deleted and reposted as a quote tweet with commentary. The Monday night retweet that drew question to Tapper's credibility and judgment was a common anti-Trump comment made by George Conway, who only got liberal media attention because he's the husband of Kellyanne Conway. This time, Conway tweeted, he's 100% insane and nobody in the administration has balls to tell him that. It was also a quote tweet of Clara Jeffrey, the far-left editor-in-chief of Mother Jones. Her tweet declared, either nobody in the Trump administration has the balls to tell Trump the truth, or he's 100% insane. There's really not a lot of middle ground. Tapper retweeted that. 
other tweets by him this week. Why does U.S. and 4.2 with 4.25 percent of the world population have 17 percent of coronavirus death? <clears throat> the world attacked. This tweet treats it as fact that the U.S. has 70 percent of coronavirus deaths rather than 17 percent of reported deaths. Another, because we're being quite liberal with their classification of COVID-19 deaths. New York is a densely populated city run by an incompetent mayor and China's lying. But you're gullible enough to believe them in spite of 40,000 urns. And that makes you sit there and go, okay, is it, is it the reason why we're labeling everything a death so you can say that? It's hard not to become Alex Jones on this stuff. It makes no fucking sense. Another CNN one. A new study backs up what has already been documented anecdotally in the last few months. The coronavirus pandemic has coincided with the surge in xenophobic or anti-Chinese sentiments, especially online. Somebody researched the article and the study. My God. The study literally based itself on tracking 4chan. That's how they came up with more online. 4chan. Not Twitter, Facebook, what everybody else is to use. It's 4chan. Not necessarily everybody. I've never used 4chan. Most people haven't. And then a usual... Fucking contributor, Alcinder, well, she's still grandstanding. I have a quick question for you. You you said that African Americans and Latinos should avoid alcohol, drugs, and tobacco. You also said do it for your umbrella, do it for Big Mama and Pop Pop. There are some people already on, there are some people online that are already offended by that language and the idea that you're saying behaviors might um, be leading to these high death rates. Could you talk about whether or not people could you I guess have a response for people who might be offended by the language that you use? Well, I, I use that language because that's the language I've been meeting with the NAAC. Uh, with the National Medical Association, with others. Uh, I actually talked with, uh, with Derek Johnson multiple times this week, the head of the NAACP, and we need targeted outreach to the African-American community, and I use the language that is used in my family. I have a Puerto Rican brother-in-law. I call my granddaddy, granddaddy. I have relatives who call their, their, uh, their grandparents Big Mama. So that was not meant to be offensive. That's the language that we use and that I use, and we need to continue to target our outreach to those communities. It is critically important that they understand it's not just about them, and I was very clear about that. It's not just about what you do, but you also are not helpless. We need to do our part at the federal level. We need people to do their parts at the state level, and we need everyone black, brown, white, whatever color you are, to follow the president's guidelines, the coronavirus guidelines, and do their part. Because when I talked to the NAACP three weeks ago, it's important to note that one of the things they asked me was, can you help dispel the myths in this community that, uh, that people actually can't get coronavirus if they're black? That was a myth that was out there that's actually very important for us to squash here. Jerome, you did it beautifully. <laughs> I can't do it any better than that. Uh, and I, I know Jerome personally, and I, I can just testify that he made no, uh, not even a hint of being offensive at all with that comment. The amazing thing is, before this went down, I, had, I literally found an article on the route referencing it, and this is their take. 
Didn't take long for the U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams to dip in the personal responsibility talking points and some other question, questionable rhetoric and remarks given to the press today about the disproportionate impact the novel coronavirus has on black communities and other communities of color. Still not proven. Still just a few cities. They're gathering data, but instantly NBC, predominantly the one we watch in the mornings, we watch local news, every person they're talking, every, you know, uh, file stock footage of somebody with coronavirus is now black. They're only filming black. I shit you fucking not if you watch NBC. But it's still anecdotal evidence. It's not proven yet. But, yeah, we're doing it. Adams' comments were shared by PBS White House correspondent Yamat Sidney, a senator Twitter account. Adams told reporters more detail would be forthcoming and the Trump administration planned to prevent further deaths. Despite talking about these statistics for the last few days and experts warning about the potential for exacting his, this scenario for weeks, the administration still has no plan to address the disproportionate impact the virus has on the black community. In fact, Adams appeared to make appeal to black folk to step up. Uh, so also know that Adams had previously stressed the behavior was not the reason why more black people are dying. It's unclear whether Adams got a signals cross, went off script, or simply lost his damn mind. <clears throat> In a follow-up tweet, Cinder noted that Adams telling black people, Latinos, and other people color to avoid alcohol and drugs and ads, do it for your Abdullah, do it for your granddaddy, do it for your big mama, do it for your pop. I just, what? The comments are surprising for a number of reasons, including the fact that Adams was striking a very different tone earlier in the week, talking to BET, blah, 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 blah. Recently, reporting shows the Native American community also been hit hard by the disease. Latinx residents face a higher coronavirus death rate. It should be noted that this number likely includes a substantial mix of black people. It's all black, 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 black. Systemic problems require a suit of solutions, both large and small. Experts who spoke to the root in March suggested dedicating coronavirus hotlines, blah, 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 blah. Those are the kind of solutions the Trump administration need to be talking about, ones that target the systemic problems that have been actually made the virus. So deadly in the black community, not this putting down that can can a beer for big mama nonsense. So once again, what their take was is he is an African-American, but oh, no, you didn't use that type of talk because you're an Uncle Tom who works for Trump. I mean, that's basically their fucking take. And I'm like, as the article says, I what? He uses the lingo and you don't like it. Because he works for Trump. And this Alcindor lady is now the national poster girl for black reporters. I mean, they are just loving this chick. She's everywhere. George Snuffenuffagus starts his uh, intelligent report warned of coronavirus crisis as early as November. Source at ABC News, the National Center for Medical Intelligence, finding a coronavirus in China briefed the White House and military officials in 2019. What was done in response? Jordan Meek, breaking intelligence reports warned of coronavirus. W.J. Henning, just in, director of DIA's National Center for medical intelligence issues rare unrequested statement because that was their scoop that they're trying to do the 9-11 thing they want to try to do 9-11 like they did with bush it worked really good for them <clears throat> they thought you know we can win everything back if we don't get the white house at least we get everything because we used this playbook before with bush blame bush even though Clinton had him in his hands three times, he he let Osama bin Laden and him and Cheney wired the fucking World Trade Center and blew it up. So the DNI statement, official statement of Colonel Dr. R. Shane Day, Director N. 
National Center for Medical Intelligence. As a matter of practice, the National Center of Medical Intelligence does not comment publicly or specific intelligent matters. However, in the interest of transparency during this current public health crisis, we can confirm that the media reporting about the existence release of a National Center for Medical Intelligence coronavirus-related productive assessment in November 2019 is not correct. No such NCMI product exists. Did they retract it? Fuck to the no. Nobody retracted it. It was just like Trump owns hydrochloroquine. I mean, he, he, he invented it. He's the motherfucker that owns it. He owns the company. Yeah. Here's some other uh, people that just kind of got my goat. Let's go with... Uh, Chuck Todd. We're going to play Chuck Todd. What else we got? Um, We'll play Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd's always a good source of you suck. And we'll put on a a dash of a reporter because these are so important. Remember that. These briefings are so important. A reporter asking Trump if he'll pardon the Tiger King. Yeah. Yeah, these are so important. So important. The Bernie Sanders ideas, the Bernie Sanders proposals may be meeting their moment at a time when there is an appetite for government to be more involved. Do you imagine his ideas become um, more talked about on Capitol Hill at least? And does he play that role? Or is it somebody else? Is it AOC? Or is it other people that carry the baton? I think he's definitely going to have a role to play. I do think a lot of the younger supporters have really looked to to Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez as potentially the future of the movement. But I think your underlying point is absolutely correct. I mean, we're all now old enough to remember when Republicans were talking about how Democrats were going to nominate a socialist. That was before a Republican president signed a $2.2 trillion rescue package. Mm -hmm. Casey, I just have a feeling you and I are going to have a conversation in a couple of years and say, boy, you had Bernie Sanders trumpeting a lot of ideas. The pandemic hits and suddenly the Bernie Sanders vision suddenly became uh, an answer for a lot of Americans. Well, Chuck, I think they're a little bit back to square one. I mean, this happened today uh, partly because the Senate happened to be having a pro forma session, one of these regular, uh, very brief periods where they're in session, but also because this was when the unemployment numbers were coming out, and you've seen a lot of Republicans uh, who work on the Hill tweeting out headlines about Democrats blocking small business funding. Democrats have been saying all the way along that we're fine with that. We know we're going to need something much bigger. Let's do that first. And you know, the the quirk of this is that they actually do have to literally all, all 535 of them, be on the same page if they want to do anything to help Americans right now. With them scattered across the country, any one of them can interrupt this unanimous consent process that it currently takes to get things done. There is a broad, and Chuck, you and I have talked about this as well, everybody wants to try and fix this problem. That is not the issue. The issue is that Democrats know that they've got some leverage. Mitch McConnell is not in the driver's seat anymore. Nancy Pelosi is in the driver's seat. And that's how uh, a lot of folks I've spoken to have explained uh, what you saw unfold on the floor this morning. And Casey, not to sit here and lament about the good old days, because the good old days weren't as good as people think they were. However, I just find it 
uh, bizarre to me that Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and Kevin McCarthy can't be four grown adults here and be managing this first, playing games to jam to jam uh, the different houses here seems to be, I think that's risky politics for either party if they're going to play these games. One of the biggest rating hits um, of the coronavirus, aside from these briefings, has been a show on Netflix called uh, Tiger King. Yeah. And uh, the man who's the star of this is a former zoo owner who's serving a 22-year prison sentence. Uh, he's asking you for a pardon, saying he was unfairly convicted. Um, your son yesterday jokingly said that uh, you know, he was going to advocate for it, and I was wondering if you've seen the show and if you have any thoughts on uh, pardoning uh, Joe and Which son? It must be Don. I had a feeling it was Don. Is that what he said? I don't know. I know nothing about it. He has 22 years for what? What did he do? He allegedly hired someone to murder an animal rights activist, but he said that he didn't do that. And he was you think he didn't do it? Are you on his side? Uh, well, I, I'm are you, are you recommending sides, a pardon? Uh, no, I'm not advocating anything. As a reporter, you're not allowed to do that. You'd be criticized by these. Would you recommend a pardon? I'm not weighing in on time. I don't think you would. I don't think you would. Go ahead. Do you have a question? I'll take a look. Is that Joe Exotic? That's Joe Exotic. Yeah, they, they bash Bush at nauseum for taking the briefing away from the briefing's reason and why we're there and... He's using it as a fucking rally and blah, z blah, with periods of blah. But you ask about the fucking Tiger King. Really? Yeah. Well, then we go into the evil. Because there's evil each week. And once again, in my quest to make the show smaller, we're going to have a soundbite. But I took down just, just the shit that you're like, please. Mother Jones, study says Republicans aren't taking social distancing seriously. He posts a video that pretty much shows every major city, including New York and New Jersey. Are the phone things just not working for him? Thank you, Trump voters, says David Korn. Because, once again, he's one of those guys. It's red states. It's Trump. The entire world can be surmised with one reply, because there's thousands. Now overlay the map with the most coronavirus is widespread, and there's apparently no correlation. There's not. We are dropping. We were number 14. We're number 18 in Tennessee. We have flattened the curve down here. The driving patterns are what I said it is, commerce. You can't stop trucks. We need trucks. We're all going to starve to death. Then you got Michael McKinnon from Laverne and Shirley and used to be a comedy uh, comedian. Belief in the rapture should disqualify anyone from holding public office. There's your Christian bash. There's, there, there's thousands. I took it down just to one. Washington Post, sitting on a throne of skulls, Mitch McConnell confirms his 8,999th judge. That is actually... A major newspaper. I mean, what the fuck? Could you ever seen Harry Reid sits on a throne of skulls after 9-11? Probably not. New York Times contributor, COVID-19 killing myth, U.S. is greatest country of all. They, they're just jerking off to this. <clears throat> that concept demonstrated Friday when New York Times contributor and professor of English and American Studies and Ethnicity in the University of Southern California, Viet Thanh Nguyen, oh yeah, using the opportunity to criticize the myth that the United States is the greatest country on earth, only the Times would find a global pandemic the perfect opportunity to trash America. 
In this piece, the idea that won't survive the coronavirus, Young claims, that might be de- defeated, die after the COVID-19 is a myth that we're the best country on earth. The columnist does describe symptoms of the supposed malady as inequality, callousness, selfishness, and product for no motive that undervalues human life and overwhelms commodities. While taking shots at Trump for alleged racist blowback against Asians, Asians American, for the Chinese virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of those articles. I could list about 50. It'd be really easy. Top 10 celebrity attacks. Number 10. Trump leading death cult. John Oliver. For once, something has come along that's more toxic and more threatening than this president. Somehow, he's got fucking stage envy. Meanwhile, we're being forced to confront some of the strangest, darkest implications of our national mindset in which market worship threatens to become a fucking death cult. Number nine, pushing paranoia. Is is it possible that Trump could postpone the presidential election? Jimmy Kimmel to Biden. Orange man nutcase. Variety magazine questions. What do you think about the way the politicians are handling coronavirus? Film director Ridley Scott. We covered it. Number seven, fresh reasons for impeachment. Bill Maher. We covered it. Number six, Trump deadlier than Osama bin Laden. Yeah, that's awesome. He's responsible for three times the deaths of American on American soil as Osama bin Laden. This is one of the gravest moments in American history, no pun intended. Yet this is how he behaves. This trivial, infantile tantrum while desperate, frightened, dying America. That was from Larry Charles. Hundreds, number five, hundreds of thousands will die due to evil Trump. The president's evil, dangerous, narcissistic, motherfucker, 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 Ella DeGeneres, Andy Lasser, we already covered it. Number four, hatred for conservatives causing thousands of deaths. This was Sarah Silverman, last podcast. Number three, thousands will die thanks to the most despicable president ever. This is the most despicable forever, blah, blah, blah. Jason Alexander goes suck a bag of dicks. Worst dictator in history, not as bad as Trump. Number two, that was Larry David. We covered it. And then Seth Myers, sociopath Trump cares more about the Dow than saving lives. And it sounded like this. Trump has always cared more about the stock market than the public health crisis. He cares more about the Dow than saving lives. It's that simple. He sees the stock market as key to his personal political fortune. So now he's talking about lifting the public health restrictions and opening the country back up by Easter. Easter, which is less than three weeks away. I'd love to have it open by Easter. Okay, I would oh, love wow. to have it open okay. by Easter. I will, I will tell you that right now. I would love to have that. It's such an important day for other reasons, but I'll make it an important day for this, too. I would love to have the country opened up and uh, just raring to go by Easter. I just thought it was a beautiful time. It would be a beautiful time, a beautiful timeline. It's a great day. So you just came up with that yourself? You're literally on stage with multiple doctors, and you decided to cede the decision to this guy? We're now in an extremely dangerous moment where a reckless ruling class and a self-absorbed president are trying to prematurely end the fight against a dangerous pandemic because their stock portfolios are taking a hit. This is sociopathic governance. If you were evaluating the mental competence of our president, you definitely wouldn't be able to say he's in tippy-top shape. This has been A Closer Look. Now, of course, one thing a journalist doesn't want to do is become part of the story. You've been put in an awkward situation where, as you have asked very fair questions that the president has framed as nasty. He's told you to be nice and to not be threatening. 
what is going through your mind in those moments where you realize you're part of the story as opposed to just getting the story? What's going through my mind is that I became a reporter because I think everyday people, vulnerable populations, deserve a voice, especially at the White House. So as the president maybe is lashing out at me and other reporters, the thing I keep thinking is, okay, but people need answers. I want to uh, compliment you for the fact that you keep your poise in those moments. I don't believe I would be able to do so. There was a lot of talk, of you know, even before the last election, how do you cover a Trump rally? Is it the right thing to put it on television unedited lives that's happening. The same question now is being asked about these press conferences. You know, there are some media critics who don't think this should be on TV every night. One thing we uh, enjoy to see, enjoy seeing, excuse me, is that sometimes the president will cut off a reporter without asking, uh, answering their question. And the next reporter will then follow up on behalf of their colleague who had the previous question. Do you wish that happened more and in, in do you think it's important for the press to, to be unified in those moments where, where one will get cut off? I think it's important to follow up on each other's questions, for sure. The president has been aggressive with uh, all walks of life, as if they're journalists. Um, yet, it has been pointed out that he has been particularly aggressive with uh, female journalists and with journalists of color. Obviously, you tick both those boxes. Do you feel that there's truth to that? And and what do you think that, again, says about this moment we're living through? I think the president wants to have an opponent, and he wants to have a foil at all times. I'm not sure if he's, partic- if he's particularly picking on black women as much as he's particularly picking on anyone that he sees as a threat. Well, I really genuinely want to thank you uh, for bringing the integrity that you bring to those White House press briefings. We're really lucky to have journalists like you in the A little bonus in there, him saying to Al Cinder, because like I said, she's like the thing right now. Um, it, it just, my God, great questions. Good job. Some bonus, uh, using a crisis to sell Sanders. It was Myers again, uh, bowled over by Biden. The last time I believe I saw you on stage is time 100. You got, you were being honored as one of the time 100 and you were so eloquent and beautifully. Oh, I'm not even reading this. That was Jimmy Fallon. It was just painful to watch. It was, it was embarrassing. It was just embarrassing. I, I actually flipped through it. Um, because the rest of his show is really cute with his kids, but that, yeah, no, dude, that that's not going to work. So, one of the worst is Carvel. We're going to play Carvel on the way out. We're going to listen to Amy Lee. I've been listening to some Evanescence lately, and it's a 10-minute concert she did online. I'm going to edit out the dumb shit, and you're going to hear her sing, because she's really good. And then when you come in off the bumper, you'll have your evil track. So, Carvel... Could, you know, Republicans are going to kill people. I, I didn't put it as the worst soundbite. I'm not doing it. This is America because that's just normal Democrat. You know, he's a Democratic strategist and it's always, we're pushing grandma off cliffs and that's just the way things are. Amy Lee and a nice long soundbite of just some evil shit out of our fucking media. And I, once again, you didn't hear this on H1N1. No, you didn't hear any of it. He wins. Is that still true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's going to do something, obviously, that, that's a little poetic license. But I, I think he's in a commanding position. But we got to be careful about is it mucking around with his voting? And they're going to try it because that the Trump, everybody, all Republicans admitted we can't win if everybody votes. And so my kind of mission here in the short term is to sound the alarm to say Mitch McConnell and, and, and the Supreme Court, they're going to do everything they can to hold on to power. And Speaker Pelosi and Leader Schumer, we, we got to dig in and make sure these states have funding to, to conduct these elections. 
and to put pressure on to make sure they're done fairly. This thing in Wisconsin was, was one of the most awful things I've ever seen in my life. And it would just go you the extent that what they will go to to hold on to power. And it was all about one Supreme Court seat in Wisconsin. They will kill people to stay in power, literally. Our thanks to two friends of this broadcast, Michael Steele and James Carville, called Kitchen.
I'm still on. Love you guys. My heart is everywhere with you all, all over the world. We can be together in this moment. We can still stay home and be together in this moment. <laughs> it's not going to last forever. <laughs> I see your hearts. I love you right back. Um, ooh, I know a good one. This is one of our songs. Uh, I've played it enough times that I, I didn't practice very much, but I feel like that's okay. <laughs>
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Denial and dysfunction have been the two words of the day, words that are used by the Washington Post in a searing account uh, of the failures of the Trump administration to take COVID-19 seriously as the virus made its way from China into the U.S., for more than two months, there was, time was squandered, warnings ignored, President Trump dismissing the virus as a hoax initially, only to lash out at the press and boast about his social media following, and to this day insisting that every American has access to a test. Joining me now is Phil Russell, White House Bureau Chief for The Washington Post, MSNBC political analyst, and part of the team, uh, the, the Post team with Ashley Parker and others who put together this extraordinary 70,000-word piece, I think, over the weekend. Let's talk about this, Phil because the president is still resisting despite pressure. And we now see part of your reporting was a Neil Newhouse Republican polling that there were a number of people in red states early on who didn't heed the warnings to socially distance because they believed the president's false comments. Yeah, Andrea, the reporting is extraordinary. By the way, I was not part of that team, but I'm very proud of my colleagues who were. Uh, but they found that there was dysfunction and denial going back 70 days. Uh, and it wasn't just from the president. It was throughout the federal government, although it was exacerbated by the president's own leadership failings and by his reluctance to believe uh, what the experts were telling him, his reluctance to understand and appreciate the warnings that were coming to his desk in the presidential daily brief uh, of intelligence. And it created failures in the testing system, but also failures in getting uh, this country prepared and understanding what was happening in China and, and later in other countries, including Italy, uh, so that we could avert the sort of catastrophe we see playing out right now in New York. Overall, your response to President Trump, his antagonism against any kind of criticism, the well-known documented lack of tests, lack of PPE, uh, protective gear for people who work in hospitals, and now this, saying, sure, test them before we deport them. Well, overall, you know, not just President Trump, but this entire administration knew what was coming. Trump knew this pandemic was coming. The military knew this pandemic was coming. The CDC knew this pandemic was coming. Um, health, HHS, Health and Human Services, knew this, this uh, pandemic was coming. And there was a structural but also universal um, refusal to acknowledge and, more importantly, to act. And this pandemic is, you know, and, and the casualties that we are seeing are, again, not just due to coronavirus. There are people dying unnecessarily. As you mentioned earlier, there are people not just dying in hospitals. In New York City, city alone, we are seeing two to 300 people dying in their homes a day, per day in New York City, um, inside their homes. In addition to the hospitalizations, these, these numbers that you're seeing 
all in all, many of them are confirmed coronavirus cases. As you mentioned, many people do not have access to tests. So a lot of these deaths that you are seeing, there are many more that are uncounted, that are being counted as pneumonia or being uh, or being counted as other uh, causes of death because those people were not able to get a COVID-19 test. And so these additional deaths, many of them are unnecessary. They are deaths of incompetence. They are deaths of science denial. They are deaths of inequality. And, um, and so it's important for us to acknowledge how unnecessary the level of, of crisis that we are at right now that is due to the incompetence of this administration, that is due to the lack of responsiveness to this administration. And when it comes to the particular cruelty to undocumented immigrants, um, it is also a form of denial of the fact that many of these undocumented people pay taxes, they fund our public schools, and they fund the very public health system that they are being denied access to right now through the billions of dollars of taxes that they pay. Billions more, by the way, these undocumented workers pay billions more in taxes than Facebook does, than Amazon does, um, and than many other corporations do. And so when it comes to contributions to our public systems, they do far more than these than these corporations do. Um, and it's extraordinarily important that they have safe access to our public health system. And by the way, it shouldn't just be for COVID-19 cases. Our public health system should be free at the point of service for every single person in this country. Um, there are folks that are saying, oh, you'll get paid sick leave if it's COVID-19 related. As we're seeing with Amazon, they'll take your fever if you don't have a test then you will not be paid, you will not receive paid sick leave. We should have universal systems where every person can see the doctor free of charge when they need to see it so that they can get the care that they need. That is what it means to live in an advanced and modern and humane society. And so long as we don't do that, we have not earned the right to call ourselves one. We, we went from very few White House press briefings to watching two hours of the Trump show every day at I have five o'clock, I guess. I, I have to admit, I have not watched a lot of it because it doesn't seem that informative and it's just generally enraging. What, what, what do you, what do you make of it? Have you been watching? You are correct, Stephen. Uh, not very informative and enraging. Those are, that's exactly what they are. I've sadly been watching every day, um, because I'm a masochist. Uh, I think he, he gets up there. He lies a lot. He contradicts the medical experts who are there with him, who he should be allowing to speak and just sort of take the lead on this stuff. He has at some point realized that since he can't do campaign rallies, he can still command a huge audience with these briefings. So he has turned them into essentially campaign rallies. You know, he's attacking sleepy Joe Biden up there. He's attacking the Democrats. He's saying a lot of the stuff that he would say if he was, um, if he was at a campaign rally. He's and attacking I think they're the press for asking questions at a press briefing. Right, right. He attacks the press. He attacks the press all the time. He and, also um, prescribes medicine. That's yeah, he right, also right. Does that. So he has that yeah. that role to play. Yeah. It's uh, it's not very informative, and you know he, what he's trying to do is convince the American people every day that things are fine. Um, and you know, obviously, the president should be giving people optimism, but they shouldn't give, be giving people false hope. And I think the danger is that there's so many mixed messages coming from those briefings, right? Wear masks, but I'm not going to wear a mask. And um, this is going to be the worst week 
for the United States uh, in history, but also there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like he continues to offer these mixed messages and misinformation in the middle of a public health crisis. And I think on balance, these briefings are doing more harm than good. For Get real. The past is over. There can be no more letting politics reinforce our worst instincts. We need to build on our best instincts. And that said, while I'm asking you all to do that, the man at the top refuses to change. He said within a couple of days, the cases will be down to zero. Well, the cases really didn't build up for a while. But you have to understand, I'm a cheerleader for this country. I don't want to create havoc and shock and everything else. I'm not going to go out and start screaming, this could happen, this could happen. That's exactly what leadership is. Anybody can tell people what they want to hear and make it easy. And then you know what you get? Exactly where we are right now. That was the most asinine statement of leadership I have ever heard. And I can't even dismiss it on the president having 102 fever like I do. Because that is clear thinking from him. I'm a cheerleader, so I'm going to lie to you about the realities that your parents, your loved ones, and your kids face. I'm not going to prepare the way I should because it reinforces the bullshit I'm telling you. And I'm going to hope that you're okay with it. We've got to do better than that. This president must do better than that. The good news is he can. The bad news is he refuses to. And that I have no answer for. He said we'd be good by Easter. On Easter Sunday, you know what? I will be sick, and I will be sick for some time to come. And somebody telling me something else doesn't make me feel any better. It makes me feel worse about them. I demand the truth for my situation. I demand the truth for you as well. Again, too many of us have parents, loved ones, and kids in the balance. As you know, the president has repeatedly touted the anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine, despite questions raised by his own medical team, who warned that the treatment hasn't been adequately tested yet for safety and effectiveness. What are the risks and does it work? Those are the questions that need to be answered about hydroxychloroquine. And as this debate continues to wage in the White House with tensions growing, President Trump has asked, what do you have to lose? Medical experts say your life. Governor Cuomo saying Monday he's seen some promising results in New York, where hospitals are allowed to use hydroxychloroquine in conjunction with azithromycin, also known as a Z-Pack, which may help boost its effect in their treatment of COVID patients. Anecdotally, it's been positive. We'll have a full test uh, once they have a large enough sample. Dr. David Boulware from the University of Minnesota is leading two FDA-approved trials. We've been able to recruit over 700 patients uh, in the last three weeks, and we hope to get a result really in the next three weeks. This morning, a Democratic lawmaker from Michigan is thanking the president for making it easier for doctors to prescribe the drug after she says it helped her overcome the virus. I actually saved my life within a couple of hours. And back here at home, a new report from the Inspector General from the Department of Health and Human Services finds a U.S. health system under extreme strain, plagued by shortages and burned out medical professionals. And that report is putting the White House on defensive. Weijia Zhang is there tonight. Weijia? 
Nora, we will get to that. But first, today, President Trump insisted that all 50 governors are happy with his administration's response and said, again, there is light at the end of the tunnel. But some of his own health experts say we're not even in the tunnel. And this week could be our Pearl Harbor or 9-11 moment. The administration's grim predictions have led to more criticism and left President Trump on the defensive. The states seem to be very happy. If they're not, they can call me directly, they can call Mike directly, and we'll make them happy. But tremendous progress has been made in a very short period. But a scathing new report reveals hospitals nationwide are already struggling with widespread shortages of critical equipment. One received two shipments of protective gear from FEMA that had expired 10 years ago. Another got a thousand masks, half of which were for children and unusable for adult staff. Hospitals, according to the report, are bracing for systems to be overwhelmed by the expected surge. New York is already. Meanwhile, the New York Times is this morning reporting that senior White House trade advisor Peter Navarro warned the president, warned the White House of the situation with the coronavirus in late January. Peter Navarro wrote, writing rather on January 29th, quote, the lack of immune protection or an existing cure or vaccine would leave Americans defenseless in the case of a full-blown coronavirus outbreak on U.S. soil. The lack of protection elevates the risk of the coronavirus evolving into a full-blown pandemic and Caroling the lives of millions of Americans. He wrote that again on January 29th at the time that the president was suggesting this was all a hoax. Garbage people. They're just all garbage people. Leftist SPLC attack American Family Association as a hate group under the guise of coming after violent extremists. The anti-Christian, anti-conservative SPLC Hate Wash Division released a blog, Facebook strategy of taking down hate groups in Spotify and is ineffective. The blog slammed Facebook providing a safe haven for hate groups and extremists despite the company's attempt to stop the most egregious dangerous group for its tools uh, by using its tools. It described a fringe extremist groups before strangely mentioning its real target, the Social Conservative Free Speech Alliance member, the American Family Association. By the way, I've signed some of theirs. It was the transgender bathroom stuff. And I signed it. They weren't anti-hate. They were trying to protect kids. For example, anti-LGBTQ hate group American Family Association uses Facebook page to liken LGBTQ people to Nazis in a February 27 post spurred by a lawsuit over Philadelphia Human Rights Ordinance. That's totally wrong. But every fucking thing that's Christian... SPLC blocks it. Here's my problem. The media run with it. They take all SPLC stuff. PG media, PJ media coverage exposed SPLC's complete, complete lack of credibility. The SPLC, SPLC's much vaunted hate group list includes mainstream Christian charities like the law firm Alliance Defense Free, Defending Freedom and a policy group Family Research Council and conservative nonprofits like the Center for Security Policy, ACT for America, and the Center for Immigration Studies. But, you know, the media, there they are. Rick Wilson... This was huge. Gonna play it. Now this. It broke last night. Trump burial pits. And shit, there was no audio with it. (laughs) Anyway, Rick Wilson did the Trump burial pits, and I guess there's a breaking thing 
of drone footage captured New York City workers burying bodies in a mass grave at Hart Island just off the coast of Bronx. For over a century, the island has served as a potter's field for deceased with no known next of kin or families unable to pay for funerals. So they're calling it Trump burial pits. It became a Twitter trend. I don't remember, remember, a member, I do not remember Trump or Obama burial pits during H1N1. Top tweet, Pat Carmen, January 26th, 22nd. We have it totally on control. February 26th, 15 cases within a couple of days. going to be down to close to zero. February 27th, one day will disappear like a miracle. March 9th, this blind side of the world. March 13th, I don't take responsibility at all. The Donald J. Trump COVID-19 memorial mass grave. I don't take responsibility at all. That's all over Twitter. Stay calm. We only lost 10 million jobs in two weeks and almost 10,000 lives. It's not like we lost emails or four lives in Benghazi. He's the same guy doing it. Uh... Monty flatten the curve. Ambulance queue at Moscow COVID-19 hospital. Don't listen to right-wing fringe pundits like Putin who argue that COVID-19 is no worse than the flu and everybody should just keep manufacturing widgets. The video from them. It's just all hate. They got memes. They got, they're just, they're all, it's Trump burial pits. Because once again, we're talking about New York. And it's a 100% Hillary voting block that just hates Trump. And they're losing families, so of course it's his fault. So we're going to go into some positives and then head on into a short news of social media nuggets because I promised I'd make this shorter. Democrat state lawmaker says Trump touting hydrochloroquine has saved her life. A Democratic representative of Detroit, Michigan, is crediting hydrochloroquine for saving her life till she began suffering from coronavirus. She thanks Trump. Karen Wissett said that she likely would not have received the drug had the president not publicized it. It has a lot to do with the president bringing it up, she said to the D- Detroit Free Press. He is the only person who has the power to make it a priority. Wissett said she sought treatment on March 18th and began taking it on the 31st. It was li- less than two hours before the drug began to le- relieve her symptoms of coronavirus, which includes shortness of breath, swollen lymph nodes. She also felt that she had a sinus infection and a headache, which I have daily because of my fucking allergies. Newsweek, Dem lawmaker said Trump saved her life by recommending hydrochloroquine. Their article, Michigan Democratic State Representative Karen Wissett, Witsett, W-H-I-T-S-E-T-T, don't know how to say her name, told Fox News host Laura Ingram on Monday that the controversial drug hydrochloroquine stopped her coronavirus symptoms within a couple hours. Winsett represents part of Detroit, a city that has been labeled a coronavirus hotspot. Recent data included 5,032 positive cases in Detroit with 196 deaths attributed, which, once again, could have been anything. I got a bad car. It's coronavirus. Used primarily to treat malaria, hydrochloroquine has been praised by Trump as a potential therapeutic uh, for the virus. Sunday, Trump suggested taking the drug to prevent contracting the virus. I'm not looking at it one way or the other. Trump said, we want to get out of this. If it doesn't work, it would be a shame if we didn't do it early. While the FDA has not yet approved hydrochloroquine for treatment of coronavirus, Winston claims it worked for her. I really want to say that you have to give this an opportunity. For me, it saved my life. Here's the reality. FDA has said you could use it. The media, just like you heard on that soundbite, he called it a hoax. They keep on saying that they didn't, but they did. And here's the representative. 
again, so then <laughs> when did you start getting the hydroxy, and then what happened after that? I did not receive it until the day I actually got tested for COVID-19, and that was March 31st. And I just plummeted that day. I mean, I went from zero to 100 in a time, and it went from the, the headaches to being extremely severe to fluid building up in my lungs to sweats breaking out, the cough, my breathing being labored. It all happened in a matter of hours, and I really didn't have any time between my husband and myself, Jason, to make a decision on whether do I go to the hospital, which I honestly did not want to do, and that has nothing to do with the care that I thought I would receive there or the first responders or the nurses that are there. It had nothing to do with them. It's the fact that the hospitals were full near my area and that I honestly believe that once I got into something like that, I may not actually come out. And that was my biggest fear. And I knew that this medication would possibly save me. And Representative Whitsitt, you didn't know about it until you heard it in the president's briefing? I heard, knew about it previously because I do have chronic Lyme disease. And so, it, but it was not something that unless the president had mentioned it, that it would be accessible. If the president had not, if the President Trump had not talked about this, it would not be something that's accessible for anyone to be able to get that right now. It would not even be possible. And I mean that with, honestly, because I did have a difficult time even that day obtaining the medication because of an order that was put down in my state. So your state was one of the states that said, uh-uh, Nick, you know, Nick's the the prescriptions of hydroxychloroquine, we saw that with a number of states, and your state was yes, also that, one of them. Yes, that day. Yes, and it was on that day. So you can imagine how terrified I was that, you know, I had to really beg and plead and go through a whole lot to try to get the medication. And my husband was able to pick that prescription up that night, and I was better within a couple of hours. So for anyone, uh, you know, who thinks yeah. that... I just want anyone to know who thinks that it was a very short and easy process and that, you know, I went to the doctor and I got diagnosed and, you know, I got my test and, it, you know, I got the medication and it was over and done with and I'm under quarantine. No, it was a very long process and we've been in the house since March 12th. Mm, brother. Well, Representative Woodset, I'm so glad you came on tonight. Uh, people call these stories anecdotal. Well, data is anecdotal. It's all a bunch of anecdotes. And yes, it is. at some point, we make, we make decisions. But thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank we really you. appreciate thank it. We're so glad you You that. look great. You look great. So I'm so glad <laughs> things turned around for you. You take care of yourself. Come back soon. You know, Dr. Arsawala did save my life, and I do credit you know, the president to doing so um, and putting this out there because it wasn't accessible to me if it was for that fact. Yes. Um, I, had, I had very little time to be able to get to this and be able to make choice because my breathing did become very labored. Just, I just find it amazing that you're saying that out loud, and, and I appreciate that you are because this isn't about politics. It's about saving people, and, and you obviously know that. Thank no, you very much. Pull over politics. Amen. Well, it feels weird to say this, and it's hard to believe, but the recovery you just heard about, the recovery of Representative Witsit, may be sad news for a lot in the media. They have been fanatically wedded to the idea that hydroxychloroquine is useless, even dangerous. Why do they think this? Because the president hoped otherwise. We're not exaggerating. 
Despite only having a background as a businessman, President Trump is offering free medical advice, urging Americans to load up on an unproven drug used for malaria patients. Experts say there isn't enough clinical data to show it's effective for coronavirus, and it has some serious side effects. There is not the kind of wealth of evidence that experts and doctors need to see. He is pushing things that are absolutely not proven. It's not just a role. It is veering into the dangerous. We continue today to push uh, hydroxychloroquine in a way that is baffling to medical professionals. Watching people in the media talk down a potentially life-saving medicine because a politician they don't like has endorsed it is probably the most shameful thing I, as someone who's done this for 29 years, have ever seen. It's making a lot of us ashamed to work in the same profession as those people. So reckless and wrong in the middle of a pandemic. It really is, for real. And then we had some stuff back to NBC, because we have some article bashing New York's response. Tracy Morgan, it's not time to fucking... Like, blame people. And on CNN, Berman to Navarro, what makes you qualified? Wow, some positives. There's now growing scrutiny over whether state and local officials here were slow to act. Other cities in California and Washington State adopted stricter stay-at-home measures and closed schools sooner. I think New York was early, and I think the actions we took were uh, more dramatic than most, and frankly, were criticized as being premature. Now, media coverage uh, is going to look and see how we got here. Uh, You and the mayor uh, have been cited in New York uh, for catching on slowly here. Uh, And that is something that they don't just talk about you guys, but that you are part of the mix of politicians who waited too long. With the benefit of hindsight, do you agree with that criticism? Look, uh, in these situations, Chris, they're going to criticize you whichever way you go, right? Uh, I've been through too many emergencies, too many disasters. Uh, if you take a lot of action uh, and then the storm doesn't come, they say you uh, were overcautious, overpreventive. So they'll, they'll, uh, they'll second-guess any decision. That's what the quote-unquote some of you guys in the media like to do, right? I will uh, buy you lunch for uh, for every time that you can show me one piece that showed you were too prepared for the pandemic. Okay, any piece you can show me that says, Cuomo, you were you were too prepared for this pandemic. You did too much too soon. I don't think you'll find any piece. What is the wager? Whatever you want. What is the wager? You were too prepared. You did too much too fast. Yes. That compared to the projections, that the actuality never came I'll give you to any the projections that we will follow. Well, good. Okay. Look, that's okay. a separate Bring question money. that I hope you're right Bring about. Money. I think you got to prepare more than the actual numbers. You're right about that all day. Well, th- th- this is what this is. Uh, this is going to be awesome for people and for everyone involved in the last OG. This is a gift to the world. This is the gift to the world to keep you uh, entertained. And maybe identify like the struggle's real. Mm-hmm. Right now we're struggling. People want to criticize the president, but imagine being the president of a country and have your country got sick. So it's difficult for him. We all got to pull together as people. Now, now is not the time for blame and all these other things and anger. It's, just, it's here now. We got to just be together. We got to all stay safe. Nobody wants to transmit it. Nobody wants to attract it. 
Nobody wants to get it. Mm -hmm. So let's just stay safe and do the protocol that we have to do. All protect right. our kids and our pets. Well, that's a that's a good public service announcement, Tracy. We appreciate you being here with us today. I pulled the berm and it's way too long. Nicholas Kristoff, I've been very critical of COVID response by President Trump and federal authorities, but this piece underscores the New York authorities also were too complacent and slow. For many days after the first positive test of the coronavirus silently spread throughout New York City, Mr. Cuomo, Mr. de Blasio, and other top aides projected an unswerving confidence that the outbreak would be readily contained. Every level of government dragged their feet on the coronavirus response, and now New Yorkers are paying for it. For both city and state, the initial plan was to trace, isolate, and contain each case. Mr. Cuomo promised that they would go further than necessary to find any connection to the woman who arrived from Iran. Out of an abundance of conscience, we will contact the people who are on fl flight with her from Iran to New York, but no one ever did that work. On March 12th, New York City Health Commissioner told de Blasio and others 70% of the city would, could be infected. Even then, he waited days to close restaurants and schools. The number of confirmed COVID-19 cases each city had before closed schools. San Francisco, 18. Ohio, 5. New York, 329. From the start, Mr. de Blasio and Mr. Cuomo projected as much concern about panic as they did about virus. The former director of CDC, Dr. Thomas Frieden, estimates that if Cuomo and de Blasio had instituted a social distancing measure a week or two earlier, the COVID-19 death toll in New York might have been reduced by 50 to 80 percent. Perhaps the biggest misstep was the city-state officials based the response on case number one when they themselves knew there was a problem with testing and health experts believe the virus is already here. New York City as a whole was late in social measures. It had become the major issue in the transmission of the virus, ex-NYC Deputy Health Commissioner. Then there's this article. ProPublica, a 2006 pandemic plan, warned that New York City could be short as many as 9,500 ventilators, but the city only acquired a few hundred, which were ultimately scrapped because it couldn't afford to maintain them. So as they were talking about all this shit, they were actually throwing out ventilators. But those are few and far between because this is CBS blaming Obamaco none for the lack of PPE. The Department of Health and Human Services report this week echoes urgent calls from hospitals for more supplies. One administrator cited a three to six month delay for essential items, including those critical N95 face masks. Our Dr. John LaPook looks into the PPE supply chain. President Trump has insisted he is sending states what they need. Since last Sunday, cargo planes have delivered almost, listen to this, 300 million gloves, almost 8 million masks, and three million gowns. A Department of Homeland Security official told CBS News the strategic national stockpile of protective gear is almost depleted. Last week, President Trump invoked the Defense Production Act, ordering private companies to help manufacture ventilators and N95 face masks. But it could still be weeks before hospitals get the PPE. I mean, if you're going to blame everybody, blame everybody. You just this is this is the problem with the whole response I, I i don't blame anybody if, if an outbreak happened in our city i'd probably look at the city leaders like what the fuck man you guys are supposed to be in charge i wouldn't look at the president i didn't blame bush and i didn't blame obama for my pay going up and my pay coming down 
As in, a Bush made me more money and Obama took my money away. I mean, inside, do I think that the policies of Obama destroyed the military industry? Oh, hell yeah. But I don't blame them. But that's what they do. They got to find somebody to blame, and it usually has an R behind its name. And you get these little articles, but it's not mainstream. So I ruined the positive of the CBS line, but where is that reporting? It's just not there. The worst is actually this, uh, which we're trying to stray off, but Washington Post dreams Earth 2 many times better under President Hillary. This is stuff that's going on. I even have a soundbite of a CBS show where Hillary's president cures cancer and shit. Apparently, liberals have alternate reality built up in their minds where Hillary Clinton beat Trump, and now she's an amazing president. On Thursday, CBS All Access, The Good Fight, dreamt of a world where President Hillary cured cancer and saved the rainforest. On Thursday, writer Daniel W. Drenzer mused in Washington Post, how is the pandemic going on on Earth 2 under President Clinton? When tweeting out the article, Denzer admitted it in sketching out a counterfactual of how Clinton would have handled the coronavirus that gave her every benefit of the doubt. The result was much more policy success and just as much political rancor. Of course it was. In the essay, Desert said he found this counterfactual reasoning to be easy to envision. Vision. What exactly does he envision? Unsurprisingly, Clinton saves the world while Republicans are heartless buffoons. I guess you learn from the mistakes of Benghazi how to lead during a crisis. On Earth 2, Senator Mitch McConnell is still majority leader, but he dismisses Clinton's advice to quarantine Seattle, San Francisco, and New Rochelle, New York as hysterical and not thinking rationally. Meanwhile, because of her efforts, the nation number of new infections dropped to less than 100 yesterday because the virus is contained. The Clinton administration is working with Congress on a relief package worth $50 billion, which Republicans want to be revenue neutral. Compared with other developed countries, the United States has done relatively well and flattening the infection rate, he writes. And Democrat operative Ron Klain is the coronavirus czar. I'm not reading anymore. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Th- this is newspaper. This is a major fucking newspaper. And that's what they wrote. That's what they wrote. And this is the sound bites from that TV show where Hillary is the shit. For editing purposes, you'll hear the Hillary is president bullshit, and then you'll hear Alyssa Milano, because we're going to segue into some Biden. Who's president? Who? Yes. I'll, I'll tell you later. Diane, are you microdosing again? No. But maybe. I, d- I don't know. Isn't Trump president? No. So it's Hillary. Yes. Uh, How long has she been? Three years. Are you all right, Diane? Are you all right, Diane? Hi, Christine Baranski. She joins us from her home in Connecticut. Good to see you. It's good to see you. I know when I was watching that episode, I was thrown too. I was thrown to, always good to see you, Christine, because it's an alternate reality where Hillary Clinton wins the 2016 election. But there are so many cultural references that I went, huh, huh, huh? But you said this is your favorite episode so far. Why? But this, you know, this begs the question, what if Hillary had been president? And it opens up a lot of very interesting 
issues and it's it's head spinning because what if hundreds of thousands of women hadn't marched in Washington the day after the inauguration? What about that anger? Would that anger have led to a Me Too movement? Would Harvey Weinstein still be, you know, would he would he still be, um, you know, functioning in the world and all those other guys that? Uh, came down as a result of the Me Too movement. So it's a really compelling episode, but I also just think it's damn funny. What you are looking at is a live picture of the United States Capitol. We are just moments away from the official 2017 inaugural swearing-in ceremony after the most unusual presidential campaign in our lifetime between Donald J. Trump and Hillary Rodham Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, we go. The president-elect of the United States, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Hillary Rodham Clinton, do solemnly swear. I, Hillary Rodham Clinton, do solemnly swear. The president sounded optimistic today about the CF1K protein as a possible cure for cancer. The rise in the polar bear population is causing what some are calling the polar bear express, polar bear overpopulation. The good news for the administration is it appears the rainforest has been saved. The bad news is the travel office scandal is back in the news, leaving many asking, where has the missing 35,000... Donald Trump, the real estate magnate who ran for president in 2016, has decided to reduce the programming on Trump TV to eight hey, hours a day. Hey. Hi, everybody. Um, so I'm making this video because I'm seeing reports all over the country of Americans responding to the coronavirus outbreak by buying up guns and, and ammunition. And I know that we are all scared and stressed out during these, these really uncertain times, but that is exactly why stockpiling weapons, you know, could have dire consequences for our own personal safety and and those around us you know the the weapons that people are buying today could end up being used in households schools churches bars and uh on our streets in the future so we all have to look out for each other please 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 um share this video to help stop the coronavirus gun surge you know, we can't lose any more lives to guns during this pandemic or after it's over. Thanks. Th- that lady is so delusional that she literally thinks people are going li- to She really thinks people listen to her and they take their advice from her. And, and I stare at stuff like that and go, how fucking just self, I am so important do you think, do you have to be to believe people are listening to you? I'm going to make my purchasing decisions on what Alyssa Milano says. Really?
And, you know, if it wasn't bad enough to hear her in that last soundbite from last show where she's like, well, major networks didn't pick up the story. Well, fucking course they didn't. They didn't pick up Monica Lewinsky until it was too, you know, that was already everybody knew about it. Because then they were shamed into fucking going after Clinton. Excuse me. She then does this. Alyssa Milano, mission to support and help protect moms and babies, has never been more urgent than it is today in the midst of a global health crisis. Head to marchforbabies.org to see how you can step up. And the entire world said, what the fuck? You want to kill babies? Now you're marching for babies? What? How do you march for abortion and march for babies? But I I have to keep her in this because she is... Number one for Biden, because now Bernie's out. I'm ready to go. This is a crisis. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysterical xenophobia. Biden's son inked a billion-dollar deal with a subsidiary of the Bank of China. China is going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. They're not bad folks, folks. Since the outbreak, the Communist Party has been mobilizing overseas organizations to buy local supplies and send them to China. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. What a beautiful history we wrote together. Banning all travel will not stop it. President is right. The travel restriction on China, as every public health official we've talked to said, bought the country time. That was a very smart move right there. Hysterical xenophobia. Xenophobia. I complimented him on uh, on dealing with China. I'm not going nuts. Yeah, that's that's a hit job by some pack, but it's true. What what has he done? And, and to be quite honest, I the media is trying to portray, and there's articles like on Raw Story and. Real clear politics and all over the place. How everybody's just getting on board. David Mack, less than an hour after Bernie Sanders said he was ending his campaign, dozens of staffers who worked for Clinton four years ago received a link to a Zoom video call scheduled for 4 p.m. Invitation. Bye bye, Bernard. HFA celebration toast. He's finally gone again. Join for a celebratory toast if you can. And yes, you can loop. The Democratic opportunities have lived through 2016 jokes somewhat bitterly about the primary that never ended. A one-on-one race between two candidates and a campaign team who didn't particularly respect or like one another. And they still don't. Rapper Cardi B trashes Bernie supporters. Y'all liars. Y'all wasn't voting. That was her thing. She's another big fucking Biden. Biden. Coronavirus, based on polling data, help me. <laughs> he actually said that. That's an article. Nobody thought it was wrong. But then from a non, this is from Raw Store, no, Real Clear Politics. Not a conservative site. The six Biden lies about COVID. Number one, President Trump called coronavirus a hoax. Didn't say that. 
Two, the Trump administration rejected WHO coronavirus test kits. During the March 15 presidential debate, Biden asserted that Trump administration refused to get coronavirus testing kits from WHO while attacking the president for his handling of the COVID response. The truth, WHA spokesman Margaret Harris said no discussion occurred between the WHO and the CDC. They never even offered. Three, Trump eliminated entities responsible for global health security and biodefense. We already covered it. Four, Trump made no effort to get medical professionals to China. Trump told governors they were on their own. That We've covered that at nauseum. Trump slashed the Center for Disease Control budget, which he's still saying, but it's totally not true. So in the upcoming weeks, we're going to start moving in to the Biden-Trump. And I'm more like Joe Rogan. I, I just think during this crisis, if we had an honest media, it would be, be portrayed as, look at Obama, look at McCain. McCain just seems a step behind. Biden stayed in a bunker. He went on late night TV. He mush-mouthed through every fucking interview on this shit. And I don't think he looked really good. I I, I just don't. So, we're going to head out to a music break. It's going to be the Quarantine Remix with Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon. I thought this was really cute. But before then, you're going to hear a Philly soundbite. This is all over the place. Um, they're pulling people off of fucking mass transit for not wearing masks. So, yeah, David Korn. Thanks, Trump voters. I guess there's a bunch of Trump voters in Philly not wearing their mask. <laughs>
Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Hey, 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 bow, 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 little pump in the cut. Hey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. Still not doing college crazy because there's just not enough to do. Um. But I did want to, this was on uh, Twitter, and before we go into our gay shit, which I talked to Matt in Oregon about, because it was just an interesting thing, um, th- this was all over the place, a kid with like 85 color hair, looking like a Disney character, this generation was the first to be raised online, Google taught me to be curious, Tumblr taught me to be inspired. YouTube taught me to be myself. Vine taught me to laugh. DeviantArt taught me to aspire. Blogger taught me to reach out. Facebook taught me to make friends. Instagram taught me to share. Etsy taught me to be proud. Twitter taught me to listen. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I think that's pretty fucking horrible, to be quite honest. I think it'll be found... This generation, as, as we've done, I mean, we, you go back in the back catalog, did a whole show on the ramifications of social media. How it is the new dopamine drug fix for kids. And if you really want to talk about suicides, our next p- subject. There's probably more people attempting suicide or having suicidal thoughts or having depression off social media than any other clarification. Classification. I mean, kids feel rejected when whatever they put out there isn't accepted or liked. I mean, I'm a grown-ass man. There's times I post things and go, man, nobody liked it. I say that to myself. I mean, what is that? What does that say? That's pretty freaking crazy. Um, but I was getting 8,000 fucking, I mean, so many texts, um, emails, 
from the VA military organizations, fucking TRICARE, because they're worried about isolation and military suicides. So I went and did a search for 2019. And the amount of veteran suicides, and it goes a little something like this. There was 10,000 articles. The Department of Veterans Affairs released its 2019 National Veteran Suicide Prevention Annual Report on Friday, which showed that at least 60,000 veterans have died by suicide between, between 2008 and 17. In 2017, more than 6,100 veterans died by suicide, an increase of 2% over 2016, and a total increase of 6% since 2008. Um, I went to Politic Fact that was on top. Do 20 veterans die every day by suicide? Some liberal put this in to try to, once again, do what they do. Uh, fuck vets, it's transgenders because of you Christians. Senator Joe Manchin cited the figure in recent press release that accompanied a veteran mental health and suicide prevention bill he introduced, saying that the goal of the bill is to connect more veterans with the mental health care that they need. Manchin said in the release that it's estimated that more than 20 veterans die by suicide every day, and that of those, 14 have received no treatment. The data needs to be put into context, but the statistic is largely on target. That's PolitiFact. They said that. Next article, new veteran suicide numbers raise concern among experts hoping for positive news. Researchers this year changed a key metric in how they track veteran suicides in an effort to better explain the scope of the problem. But mental health advocates say it still doesn't tell the full story. In the last four years, the official government estimate on the number of veterans who die by suicide has gone from 22 to 17 a day. But the rate of suicide among veterans didn't decrease over the span. Instead, the way they figure or sorted and presented it did. Instead, outside experts know that by many markers, the problem has gotten even worse. The total number of suicides among veterans has increased four of the last five years. From 2007 to 17, it jumped 50%. Veterans are 1.5 times more likely to die by suicide than Americans who never served in the military. For female veterans, the factor is 2.2 times more likely. Here is an aggregate of suicides 2005 5,787 adjusted age 18.5 and it was 15.9 a day 2010 because I won't do every year 6,158 suicides 16.9 a day a day 21.4 was the average age 2015 and understand I want to just stress, there's a reason why I'm stressing this. Every year is annotated. 2015, 6,227 veteran suicides. 17.1 a day. 26.3 was the average age. 2016, 6,010. 16.4 a day. 25.7. And 2017, 61,000 or 6,139. 16.8 per day and 27.7 is the average. That was all readily available. And I feel horrible using it to make a point. But my point is this is really a severe problem. It's huge. 
<clears throat> whether it's 17 a day or 22 a day, it doesn't matter. This is a serious problem in our society that is ignored. Because what do we talk about? The genocide of gay transgender people. Every Democratic politician talks about it. The media talk about it. The bullying campaigns are directed against it. And the best I could get searching completed, verified, suicide deaths, you couldn't get data. You could get Trevor Project pushed by Alyssa Milano and an article and a PDF and this is pretty much what it came up with. The inclusion of sexual identity measures in large-scale national surveys have added to our knowledge about the lives of lesbians, gay, bisexual, questioning youth. For example, the Center for Disease Control and Preventable Youth Risk Behavior Survey has highlighted adverse mental health indicators among LGBTQ students, including greater depressive symptoms, increased rates of serious considering suicide, and higher rates of attempted suicide. Until now, there's been a lack of nationwide data on risk factors and negative outcomes associated with transgender youth in the U.S. This brief report highlights newly released data from 2017 year which focuses on transgender high school students. Overall, 1.8% of youth identified as transgender. The almost 2% prevalent rate is more than double the previous available estimate of 0.7%. The prior estimate was based on the patterns of transgender identity among adults. However, it was noted that 0.7% estimation would be inaccurate of younger cohorts identified as transgender. The UBS data revealed that a young youth Younger youth are indeed identifying as transgender as an increased rate. Transgender youth reported significant increase in rates of depression, suicidity, and victimization. Noted in the past year, one in three transgender youth report attempting suicide. Almost one-third reported being a victim of sexual violence, and more than half reported a two-week period of depression. Attempted suicide, 7%. Serious considered, 16%. Felt sad. 30%. Experienced sexual violence, 10%. Threatened or injured with a weapon at school, 5%. Felt unsafe going to school, 6%. The data represented the largest ever federal effort to capture data on transgender youth by surveying 118,803 high school students in 10 states and 9 large urban districts. Youth gender identity was based on the response to the YRBS questioning. Some people describe themselves as transgender when their sex at birth does not match the way they think or feel about the gender. Are you transgender? And this report prevalence rates are based on youth who indicated, yes, I am transgender, or no, I am not transgender. Youth who indicated that they were not sure if they were transgender, who indicated that they did not understand the question, were excluded from the analysis. That's the best I could come up with. There was no concrete data saying there's a high rate of suicide amongst gay kids. The only thing they touted was 1.8% identify as transgender out of a very small sampling of schools in liberal areas. It was all liberal. Uh, This was Colorado, Delaware, Ohio, Hawaii, 
Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, Michigan, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Wisconsin, the cities, Boston, Cleveland, District of Columbia, Detroit, Broward County, Los Angeles, New York City, San Diego, and San Francisco. Where your numbers are going to be higher because there's more gays, lesbian, transgender people there. So that's what they ran with. It's just like the glad shit. They cook the books on how many gay kids are or how many transgenders. They don't, they don't talk about who's gone back. They don't talk about any of that shit. It's just a survey they did and it's the gospel passed around. And all these politicians are running around talking about the genocide of transgender kids based on this fucking survey. <clears throat> Which, for the record, I am not a statistician. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. But you have to be alive to do a survey. The veteran data, which is easily available with a Google search is based on people that are actually deaf or dead and they were veterans. And they committed suicide at 17 a day. The 18 and 19 numbers are going to go up. And we'll be back to that 20 to 22. But that is not a national rallying cry. We have the foe based on one survey, Trevor Project, who inflate the numbers, because you know they do. Every gay association has inflated everything. We go back in the catalog, any liberal out there saying, oh, he's just making it up. No, go back. It's a whole show where it was actually a survey that showed 80% of the respondents stopped replying because they went back to the regular fucking race or gender. And it's been scrubbed. You can't even get a hold of it anymore because it was anti-party line. Because this one showed the sexual abuse, drugs, alcohol, incarceration of gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual families where the parents were gay, bisexual, transgender, and it was a goddamn horror show. Not saying it's any different than a bunch of trailer trash motherfuckers that are heterosexual. I'm just saying, it wasn't the rosy bullshit that we're told that if you don't want a uh, Christian organization doesn't want to adopt out kids to gay people, they're homophobes. No, they're basing it on concrete statistical facts that that's bad for the kid. And it just shocked me. So I sent a text to Matt. Who texted me back, isn't that interesting? And it's just not there. There is no data. Just like there is limited data that only black people are dying from the virus. is what it is now. Because we have just pictures of black people being carted off. It's all faux. It's not real. It's a theory. It's a survey. One survey. I, I'm sure the attempted suicides, 90% of them are true. So it, it is a problem, but compared to veteran suicide, it is down there pretty low on the priority list, but that's all we talk about in the media. And to segue, we'll go into what I promised last time. Here are all the different genders you can be on Facebook 
because they capitulated and went through it. Facebook now offers more than 50 custom gender identifies, but the only way to see the option is via a drop-down autocomplete memory, a menu. This is what they're saying are the 72 genders. A gender. Androgen. Androgynous. That's the fucking same thing, sorry. Bigender. Cis. And then we have cisgender. That's the same thing. Cis female, cis male, cis man. Cis woman, cisgender male, male, man, woman. Those are the same thing. You just put gender in it. Female to male, FTM, same thing. Gender fluid, gender nonconforming, gender questioning. Fluids both, nonconforming, I'm doing the opposite. Questioning, I just want to be cool like everybody else. Gender variant. What the fuck is that? Are you an alien? Gender queer, intersex, male to female, MTF, same thing. Female to male, FTM was the same thing. Neither. What the fuck is that? Neutros, neutros, N-E-U-T-R-O-I-S. That's just a made-up world. Non-binary, other, pangender, trans, trans with a... Symbol above the eight. What's, what's the difference? Trans female. Trans with the little <clears throat> asterisk female. Trans male. Trans with the asterisk male. Trans man. Trans asterisk man. Trans person. Trans little fucking symbol person. Trans woman. Trans little symbol foot woman. Those are all the fucking same things. Um... Trans feminine, transgender, transgender female, transgender male, man, person, woman. Trans masculine, transsexual, transsexual female, male, man, person, woman. Two spirits. It's just all fucking bullshit. Repetitive, nonsensical crap. That if you don't use the right ones, you lose your job, you get deplatformed. If you say Bradley Manning, you get put in jail in some parts of this country. Even though Bradley Manning was a traitor and female Manning was a hero because he chopped his cock off. And we paid for it. So that's the craziness. We would rather go after this craziness and let people put out false data about this craziness than actually address a serious genocide in the military. Military cares about it. Our media don't give two fucking shits. Democrats could give less than a fuck. They don't care. Other than Manchin, who's not a Democrat. He's an independent. He just goes by D. So to articles. This is once again the advocate. The worst case scenarios here. Maybe the pandemic wouldn't have been, couldn't have been avoided, but the terrifyingly bad response could have. I've been told for most of my professional life that I'm exceptional at connecting the dots. He possess this innate ability to put facts 
feelings, forecasts, as well as an idea, ideological, whatever the fuck. When you tie together everything that happened to our country during the last seven, several years, debilitating divisiveness, smoke screens of distraction, invented tribulations, sham complications, runway corruption, fantastical economy, skyrocketing debt, an understaffed government, ignorance of science, snubbing alarm bells, immunity from truth, sliced up health care, rise of mental illness, lack of preparation, dearth of immunization, crumbling hospitals, and vacious presidential leadership. Well, do do you start to get the picture? And the rest is Trump. Trump, 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 Trump. In here, there is other governors. I'm talking about those obnoxious holdover Republicans who did nothing or knew nothing will likely blame governors like who did so much. Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, Pritzker. Yeah, they, they were awesome. Good job. <clears throat> Reuters, national crisis, perfect time for trans in the military. Reuters' M- Matthew Levente says party in place, a plague sweeps the globe, comedies fall, and faithful geopolitical realignment is imminent, and Levetius is writing about trans people. You have to hand it to big trans. They're doing the best to remind us that world crisis or no, they're still the fashionable victim group du jour. A couple of weeks ago, Vice worried about the coronavirus would keep trans people from having life-saving operations. Now Levetius writes... Writing for the Thomas Reuter Foundation tells us calls are growing to lift the ban on trans troops. Yeah. You see, these excluded individuals just want to help. Avidius holds up one Nick Talbot as an example. Talbot has put himself on the front line of new coronavirus pandemic. He got a job at his local Walmart. His first choice was to enlist in the military, but as a transgender man, he could not. I'm just kind of standing here on the sidelines watching everything happen in front of me. I'm capable, qualified, and willing to do more, but there's this barrier in front of me that makes absolutely no sense. Are you an epidemiologist, dude? Because what are you going to do in the Army? Talbot impulse to help is admirable, but isn't there some happy medium between Walmart and the 82nd Airborne? EMT nurse, exactly. <clears throat> Not reading the rest. No murder charges in the burning death of Indonesian trans woman. Group of men in Indonesia who burned a transgender woman to death until it will not be charged with murder, police said. The 43-year-old woman, whose name was not released, died Sunday of injuries she suffered the previous day, Reuters reports. Police said Wednesday that they have identified six suspects and arrested three of them, but authorities contend the men did not intend to kill the victim. And this goes on to, it was an accident, and of course, gay websites, oh no, there are no accidents. Disney's Moan actress has come out as bisexual because she got a survey. <laughs> I had to say it. With Sanders out, is the time to vote exclusively by mail? That's the big push on the left. They want to steal this election like you wouldn't believe. And anybody out there thinks mail-in ballots are the right thing, their argument was that Trump voted absentee. Here's the reality, nutbags. They don't count that absentee. <clears throat> if the percentage invariably is 51% Hillary, 49% Trump, and the number of absentee ballots aren't excessive, they just assume 5149 and they don't count it. They don't. 
I talked about it on the show at nauseum. Voted in Oregon. They don't count it. Unless there's so many that there's a possibility that 49 could turn to 53 and overtake the other candidate. They're not doing it. So this article, now that Bernie Sanders officially ended his campaign for Democratic presidential nominee, switching exclusively to vote-by-mail format in the remaining primaries is looking more and more like a reality. That's just fucking stupid as fuck. Here's the reality. Biden's going to win, so why do you care? <clears throat> Currently, 15 states and one U.S. territory have either delayed their primary or switched to vote-by-mail, which extended deadlines. Alaska, Hawaii, and Wyoming have all switched to exclusively VBM. Using data from the U.S. Census Bureau, the Election Data Science Lab at MIT show that the number of people voting in person has dropped from over 90% to 1992 to roughly 60% in 2016. The remaining 40 person voted either early in person or via mail-in ballot. The majority are early voting, oh you twats. Only liberal states go with voting by mail. My parents do it because they're old and I guarantee they don't count their vote. The worst anti-LGBTQ statements from Trump press secretary Kaylee McNeely. Donald Trump's new press secretary has a long history of anti-LGBTQ statements such as claiming that a lack of equal marriage rights was not discriminatory and that transgender inclusive restroom policy would enable predatory behavior which has been proven true. The rest of the article is, she's evil because she supports fucking Trump. Two, everything is racist. We're going to start with a soundbite. What the fuck do they call this? Let me make sure I I say it right. Um, Diddy's Black America and Coronavirus Town Hall. It's very long. I'm just going to excerpt a little bit of it because I tried listening to this and it hurt my fucking pancreas. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. A day. In our Harlem branch, another 2000 in Newark, another in Reverend, Reverend, I've seen, I've seen, I've, I've seen those uh, images of you out there with the with the mask and all that stuff, showing that level of courage. You know, Angela, uh, you were the one who mentioned the term community from the very very Van, beginning. Van, 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 I, I need to, I need to interrupt you for Van, a second. Van. It's very, Van, very, Van. very important. Everybody, it's very important. Everybody that 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 is on this with us now this is not msnbc this is not cnn it's not fox news we have to get to it we have to get to what's really going on we have to be selfish finally for our communities and we have to get to the to the truth if we go if we're going to sit up here and we're going to sound like we on any of those other non-black owned media networks and we're not going to get to it like if we were sitting at the table it's a waste of time because everybody's tuned in right now and we need to get right. to it. And I just, I just want to get, make sure that we get that energy and we don't get, you know, we, we understand we had a new place and things are severe. And if I rang the alarm and said that it's life or death, that's what we got to talk about. Cause you know, and we need to talk about, you know, the, the, the issues that are really there. And, and pops, I want to get back to you. Um, 
I call Al Pops, if y'all don't know. That's my pops right there. But I want to bring in Charles Blow real quick. Because I know Charles is with the smoke. Charles, give us some smoke to wake the community up. And then Pops, we're going to go back to you. Charles, you're on mute. Charles, you're on mute. Oh, I'm on mute. How did that There you go. No, no, you're here. Now you are. I'm good. Okay, okay, good. Um, Well, uh, Reverend Al brought up a lot of uh, really important points. Um, One is we have to break through um, a lot of conspiracy theories. Number one, you can't get it. You would be surprised how, how much, how that is sticking and people still believe that this has nothing to do with me. That this is, you know, this is a jet setting disease. This is a cruise ship disease. This is a spring break disease. I'm going to be honest, disease. Charles. Right. I was one of the people. I actually believed that. I was like, God is, has to give us a pass. We, we, we have, this has to be the one we're going to get a pass. So I actually am one that can say I was guilty for that. And that's one of the reasons why we want, we have to get this message out. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's fine. But, but the, the thing that people have to always remember, this is one pandemic. There will be other viruses. There'll be other calamities. They will always settle at the end of the day, no matter how they start, no matter how rich the people were uh, who first affected, no matter if they're uh, medical, whether they're on planes, it will always settle at the end of the day on the most vulnerable population. It, it, you will never escape it. And once it's, it's, it stops affecting the most, the, the, uh, the wealthy, the most famous, the attention averts. We still have a, an epidemic right now. I now live in Atlanta. There's an epidemic right now in, in HIV. We have, we have treatments for it that keep you from passing it. We have treatments for it to keep you from getting it. And yet it is surging. And, but because it's not Rock Hudson anymore. It's not rich white artists in, in Soho anymore. Nobody seems to care. And so this is what we're going to be facing, which is once it, it is no longer a daily press conference by Donald Trump. It is no longer a daily press by, by Cuomo. Once it moves out of New York, out of San Francisco, out of Washington State, and it starts to settle in Alabama, in Mississippi, in, I don't know who that is, uh, in wherever, it's just going to be you, and it's just going to be us, and we are going to be stuck to deal with it. And the world will have moved on, and we will have Trump will have opened back up the government in some you know big bang way, and we will and we will be stuck with this. And so we have to figure out what do we do with this knowledge. I had someone today tell message me to say stop making this a black thing because no, if you do that, they're going to stop caring. First of all, I can't make anything anything. I'm following data. But number two, think about how damning it is to say that if it's just about you, no one will care. And that part yeah. of the statement yeah. wasn't actually wrong. Well, now you started to bring some real smoke. Um, but I want, I want Angela and I want AOC to jump in here. Now we got some smoke going. Angela, you got some smoke? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that we have some folks here, you know, one, a mayor on the ground who's dealing with the crisis of what it is for black people in New Orleans. And, of course, um, Dr. Jones, the stuff that you have pulled in terms of the sheer numbers, the ways in which we're impacted and disproportionately so, just some of the statistics 
um, 70% of the people who die from COVID-19 in Chicago are black, right? So we're not talking about like some little fly-by-night numbers. We're talking about huge numbers. Um, I was on a town hall earlier and, and Brittany Pagnet Cunningham was saying that people often talk about Wisconsin like it's just cheese and cows, but there's a whole black city called Milwaukee and folks in Milwaukee overwhelmingly and adversely impacted. To me, this is one of those things where we have to say for a long, a long time before we have Black Lives Matter as a, as a mantra, right? People with, who were pleading with, um, the government for our lives, who were pleading with the government for our health, for our economic stability and viability. Then we got a mantra, Black Lives Matter after Trayvon was killed. Well, now we're saying that, but the only thing they will agree with us on is black workers matter. Why? Because mm-hmm. they're all asleep, right to the point. So whether it's a, it's someone who's coming to pick up your trash, it is someone that's a security guard at your building. It's someone who has to risk their life for you. That black worker matters, but their survival does not. And that is the bridge that we have to cross. All of a sudden, people there, right? If you can come and do the work, right? It's something that we've known since the beginning of since the first slave ships that, sh- that came to these shores. Your work matters, but you're not worthy of survival. There's always going to be another worker, and that's something that we can no longer afford. If we don't accomplish anything else tonight, Pup, I hope it is that. That there is a bridge that must be crossed tonight that black lives matter, black workers matter, black people matter, black churches matter, but you better do it on live stream, right? Like there are a bunch of things that we have to cross to get this right. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely the start. This is the start of the conversation. AOC, um, Mm -hmm. do you you have something else to say? No, no. It's like Angela's saying it all right now because it really calls into question, you know, why it's not just do black lives matter, but why do they matter to you? Because for a lot of people, uh, they cannot cross that bridge that she's talking about. And like, we shouldn't care about, about black families and black communities because they're the ones that deliver groceries and they're the ones that stock our shelves. And it's because of what the utility is to another person. We should care about each other because of the fundamental human value of life. And and we have to see each other as brother and sister in a real way, in a real, real way. And all of that, you know, it, it translates into some of the decisions that we're talking about, like what Charles brought, brought up um, in terms of, of why we care about some things and what policies, when you look at the emergency policies, some of the things that we're pushing for, I mentioned earlier that Rikers is in my district. We have been pushing to decarcerate these jails for weeks because they are a ticking time bomb. We had the first case pop up in Rikers confirmed, but once you get that that first confirmed case, you know that there may be dozens others because these tests are so hard to come by that they don't give tests to everyone exhibiting symptoms. And lo and behold, weeks later, now you have dozens of of people of incar- people that are that are caged right now and uh, prison workers that are in there, and it is spreading like wildfire. And yet, 
We're still having resistance to releasing people on elderly clemency, to ending pretrial detention. The first COVID death on Rikers was from a person who, who had a simple civic parole violation, not even a crime, not that it even matters because nobody, no matter what you do, should die in the indig- indignified way of not having access to health care because you are trapped in a cage. And so on top of that, on top of that, you get the fact that they are putting prisoners on Rikers and sending them to Heart Island to dig mass graves being paid slave wages. This is all confirmed by the intercept in the city. <clears throat> being right. confirmed to dig mass graves on Heart Island to bury the bodies to bury the very own bodies of our community that is dying unnecessarily because of a failure of leadership from our administration, rather the president's administration, and just political leadership in general. It's the lack of prioritization of black lives. And the reason that that's important is because we must always center the most impacted communities because that uplifts all communities. I want to give the last word in this uh, panel to Reverend Al Sharpton. I, I think I think you built you built it up uh, to where he can take it home for us. Uh, and and Angela also mentioned the importance of having Easter uh, at home. You know, we we have our. I mean, I know people can multitask, but for fuck's sake, man, pick a cause. Uh, I'm sorry. It was uh, Presley was on it. Killer Mike, Camelia Harris. They were all on that stupid soundbite. I just saw my editing. The chosen president wishes everyone a happy Jesus Death Day. That's an article on the route. I'm not going to read it. Uh, replies, you called yourself the chosen one. Why don't we reenact Good Friday and see whether or not you get up Sunday? Bishop Talbert Swan. Yeah, let's kill the president. That, that's still on Twitter. Then I decided to uh, watch um, fucking Get Out. And I remember at the time, Get Out was very controversial. It pretty much spurned the Oscar so white bullshit that everybody was whining about. Because it covered... um, The inadequacies of horror movies, not racial, social justice craziness. It was a horror movie that he wanted to make a deeper, this is what America is. And they tried applying it to different categories. But horror movies don't win best pictures. Horror movies don't win anything. They just don't. That was the case. Saw, 28 days later, 28 weeks later. I mean, some really epic movies win some, but they don't. So I, I read a bunch of articles and um, they tried to put it under comedy horror because it was very funny. I don't know the guy's name. It's a big, fat, black dude. He's funny as shit. And he's in a lot of comedy movies and he was a TSA agent. In it. So um, to me, this was a great premise movie. I thought it was fantastic because it worked on a, a different genre that you're getting hypnotized. Spoiler alert. Hypnotize, they take you over, and then later on you find out it's even worse. They're taking parts of your brain and shit, and this is a group of white people that take people and take their skills and put it in people before they die. So you're basically swapping 
the white people's brain into somebody else's brain. And it was just a really good movie. Me and my wife really liked it. But I thought it spoke more to liberal racism and how liberal people just fumble over themselves to talk about how awesome Obama is. And Bradley Whitford was in it, which is just a perfect example of liberalism gone awry. The guy is a fucking train wreck. He'll do anything that's SJW. He's a horrible actor, but he'll jump on every case. And he was in this playing a liberal piece of shit. And I, I found one article, not going to read it. Get Out, the film that dares to reveal the horror of liberal racism in America. Because that's what it was. Liberal racism. I mean, how they really think it's okay to say disproportionately poor people, blacks. That all black people are poor. Disproportionate uh, women can't of color can't get abortions. Because only black women get abortions. I mean, it's all these... We need to give them a leg up because they're so underprivileged and they need help. And there's so many black people that are successful that probably look at them and go, shut the fuck up, man. I don't need your goddamn help. Um, I thought the movie spoke to that. But if you never watched it, watch it. It's really good. I purposely didn't watch it when it came out in 2017 because, or 16, because of all the social commentary that came out of the movie. Um, I, I missed saying that they put United, or Universal put it under comedy in some show, and Jordan Peele, who's a huge fucking racist and hates Whitey, said that it's a documentary, so yeah, put it under, because he believes that's what America is. We're all stealing and appropriating blackness. That was his point, and I, I didn't get that out of the movie. I got a really good horror movie with a, a genre that's not done. I mean, there should be a bunch of horror movies about just getting hypnotized and making people do horrible shit. And then they come to and they don't know they did it. Because this was a tea cup. And when this lady would clink the cup, the dude would fall through the floor. And it was scary as shit. I, it was a great horror movie. The guy could just shut his mouth. He, me and my wife would watch anything he put out. Because he's just... A good horror director, but he's not making horror movies. He's making social justice warrior dumb shit. Michigan Attorney General White Folks Coronavirus Tweet Sparks Blowback. Attorney General Dana Nessel made a racially loaded comment that sparked a media backlash online, including the Detroit news editor and columnist. In response, reports the coronavirus is disproportionately impacting minorities. Nestle posted a pair of tweets declaring that African Americans are treated like garbage in terms of equal opportunity and access to health care, and mocking white folks for supposedly being outraged because they can't go golfing. The higher rates of infection and death within our African American population is staggering and horrific. It further establish how AAs are treated like garbage when it comes to equal opportunity and access to health care, housing, education, employment. Every one of us who serves in government must double down on our commitment to do right by the African-American community in our state and across our nation. Failing to do so is a complete abdication of our obligation as office holders. I just can't hear about one more black health care worker, police officer, bus driver dial while getting a barrage of complaints from white folks outraged because they can't go golfing. Any way you try to play this, in the end... More white people are going to die out of this virus than black people because there's less black people in the country. 
But as with the Trevor Project and every other fucking liberal thing, statistics are bullshit. I said it on the show before. I used to make P&Ls. You can jerk off with numbers all day and make your point. It's really easy. You can make a point. I mean, one of my favorite stories is a purchasing officer or purchasing director getting clubbed because we couldn't get boots. And she convinced the COO that the reason why we couldn't get boots is because my stores ordered too many boots. That's why we couldn't get the boots. And I sat and listened to him talk with us on a one-on-one, and then I slammed my fist on the table and said, how the fuck can you be so stupid to listen to that? Does it make any sense that you order too many of something, and that's why you don't have something? Think for a second, sir. And he goes, Tony, you go about your business. And he he played into it. She did a nice little pie chart, some Excel spreadsheet bullshit. Yeah, you can make people believe anything on stats, but they're bullshit. They're just all bullshit. So is liberal shit, where still, climate change. This is so good for climate change. Don't forget climate change. Just fucking eat a bag of dicks. down you're the next contestant on liberal shit I thought it was adorable that in your TikTok video that was sort of a throwback to the famous Jane Fonda workouts you did put in and we'll show a still here uh, you did advise people that they might want to google you and I thought that that was a, a helpful tip to, to young people who might uh, not fully be up to speed on it. Yeah, and and we got a wonderful response from it. Yeah, but you you know, just to go back, the 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 COVID crisis has a lot in common with the climate crisis. It's it requires listening to the scientists, listening to experts, um, being prepared. And having a strong central government and being kind and generous with each other. This is true for the pandemic and for the climate crisis. The pandemic will end. The climate crisis won't. Never let a crisis go to waste. These Dems. Article off of, um, found a new website. Uh, <clears throat> I was looking for stuff to do, uh, section on liberal shit, and it's called Global Issues. What's the web address? Globalissues.org. Oh, so much stupid. While we fixate on coronavirus, Earth is hurling towards a catastrophe worse than the dinosaur extinction. They even have pictures of the dinosaurs and trying to prove that we're there, and they're doing the CO2 surge bullshit that's based off own old models that we never ever changed what we did. <clears throat> Huge article. That they won't let it go. They just they can't. 
Then we have our media. Plot Against America slams booming economy under Nazi-loving president. And the new show, Tommy, that I tried to watch and I couldn't do. It's got some stupid shit. And then we have uh, Hulu's Little Fires Everywhere takes jabs at Reagan's. Uh, Reagan, excuse me. And Christians, because, you know, it is Eastern shit. we, we got to make sure we bash Christians. Didn't let him go. Right. He ran away. They become a war hero. And where did it land them? A goddamn invalid for the rest of his life. Over what? Over what? Alvin can't bear your Nazi-loving president. That's why he left. You know, not so long ago, you couldn't bear the man either. But now what? Stock market is up. Profits are up. Business is booming. Everything else about Lindbergh, what he stands for, is forgotten. What else matters to you, a businessman, if the money is right? Boy, you know, you sound just like the stupid kid. What else matters? Do your boys matter? Hmm? Sandy, you want him to come home one day like that? How about Philip? You want him to wind up in a grave in France or wherever the hell else? We are out of the war. We're staying out of the war. Lindbergh. He's done no harm to any of us as far as I can see. You know, that's the thing, Monty. You don't see much outside of your own little world. There were Germans who voted their pocketbooks. Right, please. You give these people an inch. You see what they take next. Okay. All right. I'm waiting, Herman. To the Union, I am appalled at what's being done to these officers. Nothing's been done, Lou. No? Hauling them in here for this completely unjustified interrogation? Not an interrogation, a conversation. I just want to understand what happened. Why was Davis Jacobs arrested? Man, we observed him trying to break into the school. His own school? You couldn't verify that. Kids lie to us all the time. You couldn't go inside and ask somebody? Don't answer that. Why was Kate Jones arrested? They are not going to answer any questions about Kate Jones. Why not? Because of your obvious bias. The only thing these officers did wrong was they didn't recognize your daughter. She interfered with the officers in the pursuit of their duties. That's an arrest. But were they supposed to make sure that she wasn't a member of your family before they arrested her? We are here because a 15-year-old honor student was put in cuffs outside his own school. He was roughed up. That's out of line. He's put in a cell with a 17-year-old charged with attempted murder who sent him to the ER. We're supposed to do compatibility checks with cellmates now? All right, what I want to know is this. Would any of this have taken place if Jacobs was white? It's taken almost 30 years for the LAPD to get rid of this kind of behavior. Now we have the union president patting these boys on the back. That's it. We're going. You know, you're not here for us officers. You're out for yourself. No, I, I support any officer who does this job the way it's supposed to be done. The way you supported those SWAT guys last night with your little apology at the callous crime scene? Yeah, we all heard that. My eyes are on these guys. They get demoted or transferred as some sort of backdoor retribution. We're filing suit. I canceled Bridge. Moody here just cried himself to sleep. And those other two? Do we even discipline them? Ah, oh, this place is a disaster. I don't know why you would rather live in a shoebox than a beautiful family home. I'm pregnant again. 
just got back and, and, and now I'm gonna be derailed again. And fucking Sandra got promoted to editor. Sweetheart, it's impressive that you've worked for as long as you have. This obsession that your generation has, it is okay to just be a woman and let men be men. You don't know what it means to love your work. This paper that you're working for, no one even reads it. And, and, and Bill told me that your job barely even pays for your help. Bill said that? You should be trying to make things easier on yourself. Things would be easier without another baby. Well, you're acting as if it's a choice. It is. We've held up signs that said so. You have money and resources. And there is no reason that you can't have another baby. Is not wanting another one the reason? Not for people like us. Our TV is just turning to garbage. Freeform. Remember that was ABC Family. Airs group sex and witch drama. Motherland, Fort Salem. Nevertheless, I persisted. Apple TV debuts nine-year-old feminist journalist. <laughs> Basically, a lady's show, Home Before Dark, presents all the expected feminist and social justice nonsense, this time through the eyes of a little girl. There are truly no depths of too low for streaming service. Based loosely on a story of a real-life reporter who gushed over Michelle Obama, the series, which premiered April 3rd, follows nine-year-old Hildy Lisko, Brooklyn Prince, as her family moves from Brooklyn to a small town in Erie Harbor. Although young, she's determined to follow her father, Matthew Jim Sturge's career, and become a reporter, even publishing her own homemade newspaper. Things grow more serious, though, when she starts investigating the murder of a neighbor and discovers a deeper conspiracy spanning three decades. Considering the main character is a female journalist, ableist, albeit, excuse me, a young one, the show leans on its obvious feminist angle. The first episode, Magic Hour, is already chock full of feminist references, ranging from quoting Margaret Atwood to quote the dumb, nevertheless she persisted mantra. I, I turned on Apple, then turned it off. But I gotta watch all my movies, because I used to have a lot of movies on it. Um, and then we have, uh, this article, which is pretty damn good. Easter 2020, the top nine worst TV shows for Christians. The Simpsons mocks Christians as right-wing ding-dongs. Fox drama star has Pope sexually grinding on dancers. Fox family guy calls religious believers stupid people idiots. Young Sheldon bashes Christians mental to talk to invisible man in the sky. Empire proudly denounces church and Christian values. The new Pope agrees to upgrade Bible to scrap pointless taboo of gay marriage. Hulu anthology series Into the Dark calls Bible male revisionist history. The Handmaid's Tale, baptism just being sanctified by holier-than-thou child molester. Preacher, anyone who believes in God's an idiot and a sucker. Yeah. It's... It's what our Hollywood is. Uh, our Hollywood is just a byproduct of liberal craziness. Then we have this story, which is pretty sad. Clemson coach chastised for promoting America exceptionalism during pandemic. Clemson's university coach Dabo Sweeney, confidence in America to gain the upper hand 
is misplaced jingostic bravado and an embrace of ignorance. From Dabo to the Dumbo in a White House, it's part of a conservative effort to socially distance themselves from science, says Deadspin writer Jim Rich. Swinney is a character of many who are ignoring the seriousness of the virus. Rich writes about the upbeat football coach. This is America, man. We've stormed the beaches of Normandy. We sent a rover out on Mars and walked the moon. This is the greatest country. We've created an iPhone where I can sit here and talk to people in all different places. We've got the smartest people in the world. We're going to rise up and kick this thing in the teeth and get back to our lives. Rich isn't encouraged. The writer calls that stupid stupidity passed off as grit or expertise and fears it's downright deadly. It's a whole separate disease. Thinking you're smart when you actually aren't. And it, and it's as, has infected a massive swath of America from Dabo to the Dumbo in the Oval Office. Every time Rich writes something, it's just hate disguised as journalism. Then as we get to election time, every year I cover how social and word and everything starts getting in sync with whatever cause du jour there is. Is Grammarly going PC? I don't use it, but you see ads for it all the time. Flag's use of Wuhan or Chinese virus. Grammar app Grammarly has started flagging the phrase Chinese virus in reference to the virus and resulting disease. COVID-19. Reclaim the Net reported on April 7th. The virus that has brought entire countries to an economic standstill has erupted in cultural controversy as well. Both the politically correct nags of liberal America and the Chinese regime discouraged calling it the Chinese virus. In a statement to Reclaim the Net, the company said that the new Grammarly premium suggestions has recently been released and that it deals with providing feedback relating to formality, con. Confidence and sensitive language reported to reclaim the net. Grammarly has chosen to go with the WHO terminology and flag any mention of Chinese or Wuhan virus. Reclaim the net further detailed Grammarly's ridiculous response. The following guidelines put in place by the WHO in 2015, which discouraged naming diseases using geographical location, group names, or other nomenclature. WHO or World Health Organization has its own issues. It has been accused of being overly sympathetic to China and even took China's word that there was no evidence of human-to-human transition or transmission. And COVID is Chinese in the sea, folks. It's just there. Gender and COVID-19. Where can research help? And this one is one based on A, women. Yeah. COVID-19 and hope for a compassionate future. Whole thing that we need to change everything and get rid of conservatives. These are all from that new website I found. Alive amidst the mayhem of COVID-19, a sex worker story. Just can't get enough business because people are scared. So the theory is go fuck people regardless. Okay. How the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting women's sexual reproductive health. This is a huge article about how important it is for people to have goddamn abortions. (laughs) Their next article, diverse voices should be represented in coronavirus 
experts on TV. So it's very important that you just don't have experts. You gotta have people of color, gay people, women, fucking Martians. If you don't have Martians, you're fucking up. And that's our liberal shit. We're gonna go into a lighter fare. What are we gonna do today? Uh, let's see. I think we're going to go with uh, Veterans Shake It Off, an old one by Matt, Matt Best 11X to kind of end on a positive. Enjoy. God, how long does a knee appointment take at the VA? He's got one leg, especially on Veterans Day. You know, guys, sometimes you just got to shake it off. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's Taylor <laughs> I say I'm too late. Got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. Mm-hmm. That's what people say. Mm-hmm. I go on too many dates, <laughs> but I can't make them stay. At least that's what people say. Mm-hmm. That's what people say. Some funny stuff. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Send comments to foppodcast at gmail.com. Foppodcast gmail.com. You get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out our Facebook page at Fop Podcast and our Twitter page at Fop Tony Reed. Our next show will be the 15th of April, Year of Our Lord, 2020. Going to be doing it uh, before I head out for two days on the lake. We're going to go dry camp and uh, do a day of rock hounding and a day of fishing. Way, way from the people. Uh, didn't cover it. Wanted to cover it at the end as a send-off. 
We headed out the other day. It was a glorious day, beautiful weather, like 60 degrees out. There were people literally camping in the middle of fucking nowhere with solar panels and generators staying away from everybody. Um, unlike other states, Tennessee is not closing everything. They're closing parks and they're closing the um, places out there that you have picnic areas and things like that. They've kept boat ramps available for use. And, of course, the backcountry, and so all the roads are still open, and you can just drive around. I saw very few people out there. Um, we were out for about four hours, and it was um, it was great. It got us some fresh air. Um, we didn't make any stops. We packed whatever we wanted. Um, we, we did stop on the way back, and I got some tab soda for my wife at one place. But I face-masked and gloved when I came in and deconned when I came back out. And um, it was just a really good day. So if you have that available, once again, uh, I'm not advocating everybody go out, and that's not what I'm doing. But if you live near a national park that's backcountry and woods, man, do it. Uh, it's a good way to get out and get some fresh air, you know, walk around, and there's nobody there. I mean, I, we never saw people. We saw camping, you know, but we didn't see people out there camping. And we passed maybe four cars. Um, on the whole place, and two of them were wildlife. They just waved at us. Uh, we were just in the four-wheel drive getting muddy. So, And uh, lastly, I, I think it would be good to watch Saturday Night Live tonight. That should be pretty interesting for those that haven't heard. Saturday Night Live is going to do a show where they're on Zoom. So I think that'll be kind of interesting to see how many ways they can fuck up. i got to admit, the Jimmy Fallon I keep talking about, it has been really entertaining uh, last night's was kind of boring. It depends who he has on, but um, it, it's been interesting the way to watch TV. So give it a go. Make sure you take care of yourself, folks. Stay safe. Take care of your family. Enjoy that time. Disconnect from all your devices, as I always say. Because there's really nothing positive going on on Twitter. Twitter's just a hate fest right now. Uh, there's going to be a daily all Christians die, and we're going into Easter. So those who celebrate Easter uh, enjoy. The celebration of him rising from the dead, if you're a Christian. Um, but those hashtags shall come forth. And there'll be nothing but hate. And Trump's America. And Christians. And the South. And it's just going to be some ugly shit. So I, w I would ignore that part. Um, I know I'm not logging on tomorrow. I will spend time watching the Ten Commandments and the King of Kings as we always do. Uh, we're not having a fancy Easter dinner, but we're going to celebrate with some Easter candy that I got on discount a couple weeks ago. They put that shit on discount pretty soon. But, you know, enjoy that time with your family. Uh, there's a positive in everything, and the positive in this is that you are getting quality family time, and that's pretty freaking cool. So until then, my friends, thank you for listening. Tune in on Wednesday for the next show. Take care of yourself. store after the stampede people fight for toilet paper like the usc nothing left on that shelf but a lonely campaigns so i guess i'll head back to the house and take a bath and bleach quarantine quarantine drinking whiskey like vaccine 
Can I get some fresh deer meat? But I hope your family's well. Hope them hands are clean. Any chance that you might have an extra AR-15. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine. Waving at the neighbors, social distancing. I meant that in like a metaphorical sense, not a literal sense, because if we came together, that would be the antithesis of what quarantine means. But good thing we have FaceTime because we can hang out and make dumb songs like this. And shout out to all the healthcare workers out there. And, and Tim, I really like that chorus. Let's hit that one more time. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine, waving at the neighbors, social distancing. Quarantine, quarantine, wearing like 